Hello everyone, this is Brandon. Just giving you a quick heads up. Unfortunately, we had some audio difficulties this week, which is why we didn't release on Friday like normal. But I think I've been able to salvage it over the last few days, so we're going to go ahead and release it. Unfortunately, Jeremy is going to sound a little bit like Ultron, but I think we're going to be okay. Sorry for any inconveniences, and enjoy the episode. So what are we going to call this thing? Uh, I got it. Okay. Incredible, new, fantastic, astonishing, mighty, original, uncanny, sensational podcast. I'm just going to put down infamous. Thank you for joining Infamous, the audio podcast. My name is Brandon, or Mutilus on the forums. And I'm Parker. I usually go by Tweak on those forums. I'm Jeremy. I don't go by anything. Uh, yep. <laughs> you should just be Jeremy. I'm too old for forums. Oh, shit. You could do, ja- That's, you could do uh, jazz hands. Can that be your new sign-in? I would really appreciate that. I would like... Well, can I go by like J Bone? J Bone on the J-Bone, forums. J Bone, too old for this. Non- you can be J Bear. How about J Bear? Yeah. No, <laughs> that's gross, and somehow so much worse. No, no, <laughs> ow, no. And then naked bear spelled oh, like okay. the naked bear, not like a bear. The right that's to really bear horrible. Jeremy's bears. It's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> all right so this is really uh, fast for the for first us. time ever oh on uh infamous the podcast What's i'm happening? going to remember that we have announced what is happening are you guys excited i'm very excited i am super um, excited uh just a quick things few things to run through um we have new music i don't know if any of you are the original listeners that we had but uh for a while we were just using some stock uh audio from the old x-men cartoon and uh, i wasn't advertising the podcast until we had our uh music finally came in and uh, my friend Colin, who is very into music and does commission music production, uh, came through for us, and that's how we have our current music. I went through and re-edited all of our own episodes, and I'm now advertising. Uh, so thank you very much, Colin. Colin is really fun to work with, and um, you can reach him on, I believe it's drthalion.com. Let me double check here. I've linked it in our um, on our Facebook page. It is www.drthalium.com T-H-A-L-L-I-U-M And so that's that's Colin. He's a good friend of ours. Uh, we also have managed to greatly increase our audio quality, so if you had any trouble with any of our earlier episodes having uh, background noise or just poor quality, we've massively increased our audio quality. And we are now available on more platforms than ever before. We are available on Anchor, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Radio Public, and Spotify, and through iTunes via the Muson Mini stream. And eventually we'll probably have our own um, source on iTunes. But currently we're just promoting through the Muson Mini stream. So, uh, any other announcements? Let's see. Um, and if you ever want to hear our ridiculous uh, ramblings before the episode starts or after the episode is over, you can listen after the credits for the pre-ramble. I always add that to the end. News, news, and news, news, Parker news, news. and Jeremy, I've got some news for you guys. News, 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 we, news. We've news. broken our first uh, 
milestone. We have over Do 50 I listeners at this point. Is this where we How's start getting paid? Feel? Huzzah! Does that tickle, tickle your balls? It, I like, I like, I like money. Check your contract. Does your contract no, say you get paid? Think, oh yes. I'm doubling your current pay. I know what double right. is. So, uh, twenty percent of our listeners are currently abroad, which is fun. Finally, uh, I can say I'm big in. I don't know if we're gonna get to the point where we travel internationally to play this game like we did with War Machine, but we'll see how that goes. We'll be big. Um, we're big in Singapore. Oh, and how to contact us? Um, you can contact us on our Facebook page. It's Infamous Space uh, MCP, as in Marvel Crisis Protocol, on Facebook. We also have a YouTube channel that you can get our podcast at, and soon you'll be able to see video battle reports that I'll be posting. Um, you can also contact us through our email address, which is infamous, M-C-P-O-D, at gmail.com. So it's uh, infamous MCP as in podcast and then also if you want to contact us via phone it is 913-873-3476 all right and that brings us into news 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 uh just a little bit of news today uh we have established that the x-men are going to be released on november 13th which means we're actually probably going to get another release before christmas so we might even see more x-men or maybe like spider foes or something like that ah i want them x-men so bad I know, but that means in five weeks I get to own Magneto, which is going to be a big day for me. So I'm yeah. excited. Oh, I Basically, there's one thing to check off your list at that point, right? Doom. Yeah, it's one of the two characters I need to complete my collection. <laughs> I swear to God, Cyclops better not run anything. That's all I care about. He, he better not what? Sit down. Run anything. He can't be. A, he can't lead. He's not a leader. <laughs> no. Just. He better not be a guy. I thought you leader. meant he better not like he better not. <laughs> like, I was like I was like, I guess he's pretty dumb. He no. would never know to run away, but you guys are the worst. Cyclops is awesome. Cyclops forever. No. All of that. <laughs> Just because oh, he I knew it. every important I knew character it. ever beyond were, the current oh. time. Just just one and all the girls. There's like eight girls, but cable, I guess, oh, is kind of important. My God. But so we have a time traveler who kind of affects the current timeline. Um, and then like every ridiculously overpowered mutant is like Scott or Xavier's kid, one of the two. Well, to be fair, he, if you want to talk about like power level, like if, if you rank all the power levels yeah. that they've done for forever and ever, uh, Cyclops ranks really high up there. He just doesn't have a lot of utility with his power. It's all just blow holes in it. But if he actually blows holes in it, he can, bl- he can knock over Galactus with his thing, with his eye beams. It's maybe he should do that when Galactus tries to destroy the planet like eight times. He's he's got self esteem issues. I hate. He doesn't. He doesn't, uh-huh. he doesn't. He's got performance issues. He's got. A, I'm a piece of shit complex. That's Why are you guys so, so mean much. to Cyclops? The guy so is much. the guy's only been badass. But okay. He's been badass. This, this will be your. This will be your guys' little secret. And oh ass. my god. Two things he is always. All right. Oh moving my on. God. Ye- That's going to complete our news for this week. No, it's uh, not. So we're going to move into. <laughs> Oh, God. Parker, how about you explain this to me? Why do you defend Cyclops? It's obviously a losing battle. <laughs> well, for one thing, I'm really excited. This is actually news. We found out a little bit more about the X-Men uh, and the way they work. They're going to be the first faction-ish thing that has two different leaders. And so one of them is going to be Storm. And she's going to be blue team or the gold team leader, which is from uh, uh, several different um, iterations of the X-Men had a gold team and a blue team. And so she's going to be gold team leader, which has happened in the comic books. And the gold team stuff looks really cool. And presumably there's going to be a bloom team leader. Hint, hint, wink, wink, 
literally heavy, heavy, wink, wink, it'll most likely be Cyclops as the blue team leader. And he'll be amazing. Uh, I'm just saying, Cyclops couldn't carry the weight so, so badly that they had to make a second team leader oh for his faction. That's all I'm saying. We will do... A, okay, I, I owe you... I owe you... <laughs> I owe you guys a comics corner. I owe you a comics oh, corner. God. When the X-Men come out, yeah, maybe. I'm going to rock you guys with the comics corner so hard, it'll be just Cyclops. <laughs> Jazz hands. I'm just Jazz hands. You now. Just Cyclops. I'm the one that edits the podcast. There will be no Cyclops comic corner. <sighs> you can talk all you want. It's never going to print. <laughs> For two well, and know, a half hours. You know what? I, I, actually, I don't know if anyone was listening before. Obviously, you wouldn't know. The number I gave out is Parker's number, so you can call him <laughs> and tell you how badly Everyone he is at rating characters. Parker speaking about Cyclops for an hour. I will tell you that I don't care if anybody hears my comic today <laughs> except you guys. I will make my, I will have my say. You, I will have my I time. I will mute you. I will mute your mic. <laughs> I will. All right, guys. <laughs> Time to move on from this horrible section that contains Cyclops and move on to something important. Uh, so we are going to talk about what we're currently playing. Are you smoke? Uh, I don't I'm know if smoked? you guys want to say anything. We're getting I know you haven't been able to get many games in with everyone dying, but I'll go first. So uh, I've gotten two games in recently uh, oh, this God. week, and uh, the first one I played Black Order into Spider Friends, or Web Warriors, I guess, technically. Uh, oh no, sorry. I played Web Warriors into Blackwater. <laughs> uh, my friend Jason played. He might eventually be on the podcast. Um, it was pretty interesting. Uh, I felt really advantaged because I managed to get the proper scenarios out. So we were playing the Spider Infected mission and then also Extremist. So I was able to maneuver his guys away from me well enough to then also heal up from any damage he was able to get on me. And I pretty easily won on scenario on turn four. Um, I could have probably won on turn three if I played it a little bit cleaner. Um, but just, uh, Black Order with so few characters, and he didn't, it was his first game of Black Order, so it's not really his fault, but he wasn't able to really collapse on me very well. Um, and then the most recent game I played was, I played, uh, Black Order into Web Warriors, and basically got every lucky event that could have happened to me. Uh, I, I got the Meteors mission, the Tree Power Core mission, and I managed to pick it up on the first action of the game. I'm pretty heavily advantaged on that one, which is why I picked it, because, between Proxima and Corvus Glaive, double activating on turn one, you get to roll four dice to find the, the power core before your opponent even gets a chance, because I had the priority, which is a huge advantage. And then obviously, I can roll six dice to their two if we have to go another round of activations. And so I have a pretty good chance of picking it up first, but that being said, I still managed to get it. And then um, I pretty much just made the Thanos bunker, and he couldn't get it away from me. Um but yeah, so I played both sides of that matchup. It's pretty fun. Although, from now on, I plan on playing the list that we built on the podcast now that I've got all my models ready to go. Do you feel like, when I, when I heard you, you said you did an excellent job with Web Warriors, um, and it was just so much objective and control, and you barely even had to engage the Black Order, is that, is, and then you got to see exactly the flip side of that in the other game. Obviously, that's, you know, you have low sample size. You don't know everything there is to know about those two factions. Right. But... Do you feel like that's what Black Order has to do when they play Web Warriors? Or is that what Web Warriors has to do when they play Black I Order? I feel like that was basically what we're going to talk about later today, which is how to give yourself the biggest advantage possible when you get to the table and start choosing uh, options. Like, not just saying, well, I'd rather play 18 points than 16 points, so I'm going to pick this mission. Like, actually thinking about your list in advance. And so when I built a Web Warriors roster, I knew 
I was just going to try and press the win on scenario as hard as I could. And so every scenario I added in some way would allow me to affect that. And so I put in the spider infected mission, knowing that if someone has a very fighty list like Cabal or uh, Black Order or as Guardians, I could punish them, their action economy, by if we, if they manage to pick up a bunch of the spider infected, they can't properly engage on me because every turn they have the 50 50 chance of being pushed away with the uh the spider infected mechanic and then also i've got um impact webbing i've got web line i've got uh the ghost um spider save safety ability i've got lethal protector so i have a lot of ways to keep my guys alive and my opponent wasn't able to pull out a good enough um secure mission Obviously, getting priority is pretty nice because I got to pick the extract mission. Um, but the secure mission ended up being extremist, which actually ended up helping me. So I think he made a pretty big mistake choosing his mission, even though he thought the healing on Thanos would help him. He, I never had any interest in damaging his character. So he just, I don't think, had the experience in the matchup to know that. And so if we played again, I think it'd be different. But yeah, I think a lot of it ends up coming down to knowing which missions and which tactics cards are giving you the most leverage in the matchup. I I was gonna say that was my, actually my uh, my current event. Like what what I'm doing right now is I was puzzling about Web Warriors all week, picking lists, picking cards, trying to decide what I wanted to do with Web Warriors because uh, Spider Man is my favorite comic book character ever. It was my very first comic book I ever bought was a Spider Man comic, and I am really excited to play Web Warriors. But um, I was even more excited with this kind of story because I love objective play. So now I'm just puzzling over it. Like, how do I ensure that my objective play is going to work out in my favor most of the time? Because I feel like that's what Spider-Man uh, and rather the Web Warriors need is that objective play to work out for them. Cool. Uh, Jeremy, have you gotten any games in with any anything? No, recently? not recently. My my yeah. last game was with the uh, Asgardians, all the brothers and sisters and friends and all of them. Okay. With all the cards that help them and... They like to punch things real hard and be tricky. Um, side note, if you are interested in games, I'll be up at the store tomorrow. So if you want to get in some games, mm-hmm. I'll be available. Okay. Um, so uh, moving on past what we've been playing, uh, hobby projects. I know Jeremy has been working on some yeah, hobby lately. Yeah. Um, so initially with this game, I mean, I come from 40K and uh, Privateer Press games and those kind of models. And we get these and we're like, oh my god, I have to glue the nose of this model on or the elbow pad. Like, this is stupid. Well, you have to glue well, in, like, the ear lobe. Not the entire ear, but just the ear lobe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or a thumb. Like, I have to glue a thumb? So, my initial response to all these models was like, good lord, okay, this is ridiculous. But I just sat there and put together over the last two days 22 models the newest 22 models and i tell you they all went together there's no mold lines and it didn't take that long at all for 22 models so i was wrong doing a great job so high five whatever um but yeah i i put together the the latest uh 22 characters that have come out they'll be all painted up soon and that's where i'm at all right, I would like to go after that because um, I'm going to piggyback basically on everything you just said. So I have been working on a uh, Black Order diorama. Uh, if you guys follow our Facebook page, you'd see that I made a diorama for the Web Warriors. 
basically uh, Peter Parker versus Venom. He's like weblining a dumpster into Venom. And there's like the building and it's all modular. It's all magnetized so I can take them off the diorama and take all the, the train off if I need to use it. But basically, I, uh, I'm doing as many of these little panel scenes as I can. And I'm trying to make a lot of fun scenes. But I'm doing uh, the Black Order Skull Throne thing. And so I bought the uh, Games Workshop Citadel Skulls Pack, which, if you're not familiar, is a small box from Games Workshop, which is $30, and it comes with 340 individual skulls. And they're from all different races. There's Orc Skulls, Tau Skulls, Eldar Skulls, lots of human skulls. There's a couple, like, big Tyranid Skulls. So it, it, it looks like all kinds of the monsters that, you know, the Black Order would have slain throughout the galaxy and kept trophies of. And so... I spent, I'm not exaggerating, I actually timed it, five hours cleaning the skulls. Because each one of them has a mold line running over the top of the skull. So I have to I have to trim the part where I cl- clipped it off the sprue. And then, like, shave off this mold line that goes on the smooth part of the skull, which is going to mess up my paint job. And so, I spent five hours cleaning skulls. And my fingers were so cramped, I had to take, like, five breaks doing it. And I had to, like, walk around, stretch out my fingers. It was so annoying. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, that's why I like these miniatures, because there's no fucking mold lines. Mm, correct. Yeah. So, anyway, I should be done with the um, the Black Order diorama soon. Uh, I've been painting uh, Thanos most of the day. He's almost done. I'll send you guys some pictures later. Parker doesn't Parker. model. <laughs> Parker doesn't model. He, he's actually, I don't know if you guys know Parker. He is a professional hand model. He can't risk, now, cannot have you risk seen the these cuticles? Hands, there is, there it's, uh, it's permanent. The, the paint is permanent. You can't get it off your no, hands. The, so anyway. Uh, I actually, that, honestly, I do, uh, Brandon actually has the, is the only person after whittling me down for years, asking me very simple question. Why don't you model your own miniatures? Cause I, I have traditionally always, uh, hired off other people to paint my stuff. Um, mm-hmm. he, he got me to, uh, consider painting my own stuff. And so I've painted a few models for MCP. Um, and he, with, with his help, which is awesome because I know nothing about modeling and painting and he's been very, very gracious in doing that. Since COVID-19 has happened, though, I haven't been able to get out to go to his house. And I, I have discovered that painting by myself is a monstrous chore that I do not enjoy in any way whatsoever. But if I'm with other folks, I, I do enjoy it. So I'm not saying no to Wait painting. But What models for did you paint for MCP? Um, I don't even remember. Modoc. We did Modoc completely. Oh, that's right. I totally forgot about that. Mm-hmm. My only re- The only thing I could remember for you painting... Which is when I, it took two years for me to get you to my house on a Wednesday night paint night. Mm-hmm. And you came in and we were going to paint Krakenoctus. I was just going to kind of tell you how to do it. And it basically ended up me basically just looking over your shoulder the whole time telling you what to do. Because you had no idea. Basically, I, I taught you how to dry brush. Mm-hmm. Is all I did. And Krakenoctus, if you don't know, is a uh, monster apocalypse monster. It's basically a giant squid that's the size of a skyscraper. But the model's about the size of an orange. And uh, so he finishes painting it. We had the the under the underside was like a light gray, and the outer uh, part of the squid was a, a deep blue. And he had like a big beak and big eyes, and he's pretty funny looking. But I remember Parker looking at the finished product <laughs> and holding it in his hands, and he said he looked at me and said, "I care about this more than my child." And I was just like, "Yeah, I know it's that cool, isn't it?" And then and then as ever since then, he was like, "I'm going to paint my own models." Yeah. And then he comes online today and says, "I don't paint." Like, come on, <laughs> I I know you want. I to. really, I really, I really struggle to do it by myself. So no, I haven't. If you're gonna ask me, 
as long as there is a pandemic going on and I, 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 I you know, I don't go places to protect my family. Yeah. Um, my, my modeling is going to be, you know, when I can get on with you guys, you know, in discord, but I can get on buds in discord and, um, I can shave things off and do that kind of stuff. But my favorite kind of painting is when I'm with people. Also, I struggle with painting cause I am a horrible, I'm really bad at art, but it, it, not because I'm like, I had a bad experience with it or I'm not good with my hands. It's, it's 100% there. There's something that artists have where they look at something in just pieces, it formless, and they can picture in their mind precisely what it's going to be at the end. And they can follow that in their mind. And they have a really clear vision about what it's going to be. And if they don't have a really clear vision about what it's going to be, that's okay. They just keep forming and keep shaping and keep trying. I cannot stand that process. Um, I, I'm very I'm very much the same. Yeah. I, I have really high manual dexterity. Like, I can do a lot of very, like precise motions with my hands i can do a lot of stuff like that but i never at any point in my childhood was exposed to like painting or like creative outlets or love and so (laughs) i didn't i didn't ever establish that and so i sat down and and my friends got me to buy like a battle force of towel way back in like 2002 and I, I was like, all right, so he's like, all right, well, you paint it. I was like, well, how do you do that? He's like, well, you know, it's just like art class. I was like, no, I never took an art class. He's like, what do you mean you never took an art class? I was like, yeah, I, I've never in my life been in an art class in which they asked me to paint anything. I was like, oh. And so, like, I had to start from scratch. And I was like, well, I'm going to paint these towels, the urban camo scheme, which is white and black. And, oh, my God, was that a nightmare. It was such a train wreck. And uh, so, yeah, like, I've I've had to suffer through that. And so because of that. I am very focused on the modeling aspect of hobbing and very little on the painting side, but I've been getting more into the painting of the last like 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited to learn more about painting um, because, because as it turns out, dry brushing is, is exactly for me. It gets the job done. And the thing about dry brushing is it happens really fast. Um, yeah. You see results instantly. It's right. instant gratification. It's very easy to pick up. It requires very little skill, very little, like, talent. And so a lot of people can get their stuff to far beyond the, the quality level they thought they could while learning how to dry brush in a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. And so, and also, uh, like, I'm a very social painter. I lack the enthusiasm to paint if I'm not either actively playing the game or if I don't have people around me to encourage me to paint. And so I recommend anyone at home to basically get your group of friends that you play with and schedule a paint night, get together on the same night every week. It's just like playing a role-playing game. You basically just schedule three or four hours, sit down together and chat while you paint. And even if you can't be in the same room, call on discord, just hang out. Like it, it makes the painting experience a lot less tedious when you have people to ask questions to, to suggest colors, to tell you what you're doing wrong when you're struggling with some project. And so that's, really helped me over the years get into the painting. Jeremy, why don't you tell us about your favorite painting style? Well, um, I do what they call, this is, this is a colloquial, um, thing. It's called browning. Mm -hmm. It's when you start with a lot of Brown Mm -hmm. and you work your way through all of the Browns. And once you build up the Browns, (laughs) it remains Brown. (laughs) Is that, I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty accurate. Yeah, right, no, Brandon? I remember the first time I saw you paint, That's... you were up at Tabletop, and I walked in, and you had it, some board game. It was, was it like Kingdom Death Monster, I want to say? You it, had, like, 
60 models for some stupid board game. And I looked down, and you had primed them all brown. A solid, just earth tone brown. And then you were dry brushing them a medium brown. And some of them had been dry brushed a light brown. I'm just like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, none of these... This is a knight! He's not supposed to be brown! (laughs) And you explained to me, no, no, that's how I paint. And I was like, okay, whatever. And I just moved on, we never talked about it. Yeah, like, your guys' whole deal of working through painting and stuff... um... I'm usually the guy who, you know, I, when was it? A couple of years ago, we helped or I helped uh, <laughs> Spencer paint like an entire unit of horses. He's like, we can't get these done. I'm like, give those to me. Yeah. So we got it done. I mean, there's lots of different ways. When it comes to board games, I usually slot paint okay. on. I don't worry about board oh, games so it. much. But yeah, I've never... Yeah. I've never really struggled with it. Oh yeah. But uh, I struggle with modeling. I hate building models. So I mean, we all we all have our own our weaknesses. I always find everybody lands in the two of three. I love to think and play the game. I love to paint the models, but I hate building. Them. Uh, Jeremy and his brother Jameson, uh, they had a rating system where you would just simply rate. Uh, the order in which you like to do things, uh, gaming, like physically playing the game, modeling, and painting. And so, he, uh, let's see, Jeremy is a modeler-painter-player, and then his brother Jameson is a painter-modeler-player. So they both hate playing games, but they love the modeling aspect. <laughs> it was so weird. And so, commonly, Jeremy would be would have an army of unassembled, or un, un, unpainted, beautifully converted, like, green stuff models, like, he custom sculpted his own uh, Nurgle demon prince that looked like a giant plague bear with his giant like teeth and everything. It was crazy, like over the top, way beyond what I could do. And but like his entire army is unpainted, basically. And then Jameson has all this like starter box uh, board game stuff that's beautifully painted, like easily could be like you know best in any tournament you go to. But, like, he doesn't play any of these games, and they're all, like, plastic rubber models because he doesn't give a shit about modeling. I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you guys? And so I'm obviously a gamer uh, modeler painter. So yeah, it, I, it is. Gaming one, putting models together two. Yeah, I can definitely better. appreciate the fact that uh, the, the Crisis Protocol models, super sweet models, they click together damn near, and I'm done with it. Mm. Like... Almost to model them freaks me out because you'll cut off an arm or something, yeah. and, like you'll yeah. lose They're, it. They, they do have small bits. Like, yeah. um, the biggest thing that annoys me about the models is there's a lot of models that have very spindly perches, like uh, Gamora and Star Lord are like basically standing on a one sixteenth inch wide piece of plastic, and then there's like some piece of something yeah. they're standing on. And because I use a magna rack, so my models are magnetized to a metal tray. Sometimes you have to kind of put a lot of leverage on that to get them off the tray. And so that annoys me sometimes, but for the most part, I think their models are great. The only thing I could truly complain about is sometimes their detail's a little bit shallow. Like, it's not a crisp, like, line, and so it makes it a little bit harder to paint for me. But I I think overall their models are great. Like, you can't really complain too much. You have to be able to paint a human beard. Like, that's the problem with those models. You have to be able to sketch on a beard. (laughs) Because... You can't really see it. Okay. I think it's time to get into the meat and potatoes of today. Um, yeah, he's back. Uh, he, he's both the meat and the potatoes. The alpha and the omega. Yeah. <laughs> the beginning and I the mean, end. I <laughs> mean... <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
I feel like He's when you go to the store and you bad. buy a 50 cent can of stew, that's the meat and potatoes you're getting with Cyclops. Hey, Denny more beef stew is a staple <laughs> in my college career. <laughs> okay. So moving into our main topic today, we're going to finish off this uh, Asgardian slash Avengers list that we've been talking about for the last two episodes. It's going to be put away, and we're going to be done with it uh, pretty soon. Today, actually. Uh, first thing we're going to talk about, um, there was a misunderstanding with the rulebook. We did put both Black Widows in our roster, uh, which is technically not allowed. Uh, but the reason we did so was because I was started reading... Here, let me pull up the website real quick. I'll... Uh, I'll explain it to you guys based off reading verbatim the rule book, which was my fault. Totally agreed. It is my fault. Should have kept reading. Which is usually what I tell everybody else. Like, did you read the whole section? He's like, no. And here we go. So the misconception we had was we were transposing the words team and squad is the problem we had. So I was under the impression that team and squad were effectively the same term, which is just me being dumb. Uh, so roster, if you're not aware, is... The collection of everything in your in your list, basically. So roster is your list. It is your team members, your tactics cards, and your crisis cards. The word team implies the 10 characters you bring to the game with your roster. So basically, team is just the subsection of your roster that includes characters and uh, uh, Infinity Stone. Uh, the word squad is the characters you actually field in a set game. So the, the first section of the building a roster says... A team of Christ, Crisis Protocol consists of any 10 characters a player chooses from their collection of miniatures, period. And so I was like, oh, okay, well, that's pretty cut and dry. And then I read the rest of the paragraph, which is, is two or three more sentences explaining, yes, we literally mean any combination of characters. However, the next paragraph says, even though you contain any characters, you can't duplicate all three egos. And so I should have read the next paragraph. That was my bad. But that's fine, because actually that gives us a little bit more to talk about today. Because I think there's two obvious swap outs for Agent Widow, which is the three-point version of Black Widow. And I think those two options are either um, Bucky, the rogue agent, or Iron Man. And so I think Iron Man is a pretty obvious swap for her in the role that we were using her for, which is basically a skirmishing model that's good at holding flanking objectives. Uh, because he's a ranged attacker, which means he benefits from our Mark for Death card and... Um, He's really good at pushing people off of points. He's hard to kill. There's a lot of great things about Iron Man, even though he's not super flashy. Um, and then Bucky, the main reason to include Bucky is that he breaks ties for both factions If you're because he's a rogue agent trying to, to make the cut. Although it's if you're playing as Guardians, it's probably not very hard. Uh, but also, it potentially could allow you to play the uh, till the end of the line card. And I'm a sucker for team-up cards, so... It would be a really fun thing to say, like, oh, look, Captain America has nine defense dice to whatever comes at him, and then Jeremy would kill himself, and it'd be... I'm getting ready to... <laughs> like, who suggested this? Don't make me... Don't make... He makes me more uh, so mad. The Till the End of the Line card mm. uh, is an active for Winter Soldier and Captain America. It costs two for each of them. While they're within range one of each other for the entire round, uh, they cannot be moved by enemy effects, and they combine their defense values when creating a defense pool against energy or physical attacks. Uh, which I think is really just kind of a ridiculous card to put in your list, although it's really fun. Because our whole point of Bucky is that he's a range 5 attacker that's going to be holding an objective very far away from Captain America. So it's it's very unrealistic, but I think it'd be fun. If you want to go the fun route, I would suggest Bucky... 
and then dropping one of the cards in our tactics section for till the end of the line. But I think the pretty obvious drop in is Captain or is, uh, excuse me, Iron Man. I, I think I would have to I would have to see Iron Man do really well once for that to happen. I've I've played both of them and Bucky always seems to perform more, but I want I we've already talked about how uh, I want all of my characters to shoot their guns. I want all of them to contribute a lot, and Iron Man is is a really good scenario piece. He's not going to be somebody who you should count on to murder everyone. And I've had more luck with Bucky actually, you know, uh, committing murder. <laughs> okay, well, but. let's talk about it in this perspective then, because we need another three-point character, because the thing we like most about our list so far is the redundancy of point values. So that means we would need a ranged character that costs three points in Avengers. Because we need the Avengers tiebreaker in a lot of the lists we were building. Uh, our options for three-point Avengers are Ant-Man, Wasp, Iron Man. So, of those three, which do you think is the best ranged attacker to hold a flank? Damn it. Cyclops. You're off the podcast! I- Iron Man is probably the, yep. the best. I think Bucky serves, but I think oh, Iron Man is probably the best yeah. out of that list. I think so, too. I, I do think that Ant-Man and if, Wasp yeah, are... Probably find drop-ins as well. So if you prefer those, that's obviously fine. Mm-hmm. Um, you're pretty much just filling a three-point Avenger. I, I was going to um, say, Wasp, potentially... Wasp does have something really interesting, which is that speed long. Uh, she has stealth. so she may, And also, she can dish out a lot of damage for a three-point character. Now that I think about it, maybe I, I think I might like Wasp more because she's more mobile um, than Iron Man. Uh, she's a lot more mobile than Iron Man. And she has stealth, so... Uh, yeah, Iron Man is minus one damage, but uh, Black Widow, if she's on a flank, may just be unattackable. Uh, she does only have stealth on her tiny Right, side. and so she can't hold the objective. Yeah, that's the double-edged right, sword. which is the whole point. So yeah. she doesn't have stealth with that. Yeah, you're right, because if, if, if you need her to do the job, then she's taking the, the shot. Right, and when she's in normal size, she also doesn't have a ranged attack, although her melee is range three. Mm-hmm. So I think I think there's, I mean, if you, you play a couple times and you find that you don't need a ranged character then that's probably fine. I'm definitely going to start playtesting with the Iron Man slot in, because I've always liked Iron Man, also my painted, but I, I think Iron Man is kind of an underrated character, and he doesn't make it in a lot of lists, and he fits the role that we're looking for, and so I think it's nice. He does get the job done. I mean, playing a lot of games initially when the game first came out, and he was in every list, I mean, he does quite a bit of work the whole and like i'm gonna stand on the point and just push you away repeatedly is really yep. frustrating yep okay so basically what we've established is that probably bucky or iron man are your most obvious drop-ins the wasp and ant-man are also great options it's just kind of whatever you whatever you're going to build your lists around and because we've selected the missions that we have which kind of force fighting towards the middle of the table with just a couple flanking objectives for the most part I think that Iron Man's probably your best pickup because he's going to fill the need that you have most importantly. Um, okay, so now we're going to move on to the last part of our topics today, which is we're going to talk about how to choose um, your options from your roster while you're setting up a match. Um, so I would say probably the most important things, obviously, is to establish what your opponent is able to bring because obviously this is going to come in different sections. You're first going to choose characters. Then you're going to choose tactics cards. Excuse me. You're going to choose missions, then characters, then tactics cards. Also getting a look at the terrain available in the game is pretty important. Knowing that uh, certain terrain features, identifying them that like if 
based on your side of the table, you might be able to block off um, a certain objective deployment with like maybe there's a big truck on a flank. And so if you choose deployment C and you can, excuse me, hide your truck behind or hide your objective behind the truck might be really advantageous. Um, obviously, choosing your characters based on deployment is going to be pretty important. Um, Parker, uh, I know you're pretty limited in the number of games you've played uh, in real life. So, Jeremy, would what would you say is usually the most important thing you look for when you set up this? Um, is, I, I mean, at the time, you look and you go, okay, is there a Hulk on their side? Is there a, <laughs> I mean, truly, is there an Ultron on their side? Yeah. And if those aren't even an option, then you go, okay, well, what do I want to do to them? How do I want to do it? And also, do I understand my missions um, really well? And which ones don't I? And usually the way I look at them is I'm very comfortable with these couple. So I'm going to go with these because I understand them and I know my guys can do it. Um, and, you know, over time and getting better at the game, it, you know, that expands exponentially. But for me... And my comfort level, that's okay. what I look at. Parker, do you have anything to add? I was going to say, yeah, whenever you're whenever you're trying to pick and you're trying to guess what your opponent's going to do, the biggest thing is, um, can you spoil, right? They're going to try to do something. They didn't come into the game with zero game plan. If they did come in with zero game plan, then you then you, you this is not really going to be a match. This is going to be you ex- executing your game plan and then watching you do it. But if they have any sort of game plan, can you, uh, can you discern that? Um, uh, can you find what they what you think they want? Um, for example, Black Order probably wants to put stones, right? They probably want to king make to a certain degree. And so if you see that coming and you're looking at that, I go, okay, well, how can I spoil that plan of my opponents? How can I make this more difficult for them to do? Okay. So we're going to look at this from the perspective of the list that we've built, which is going to finish off our list today. Uh, so just running through it real quick in case you're, you forgot anything. It's Thor, Loki, Valkyrie, Hela, so the four Asgardians, and then we've Combine that with Avengers, so it's Captain America, Black Widow, we're going to go with Iron Man to replace Agent Widow, Hawkeye, Rocket, Raccoon, and the Mind Gem. And so obviously our objective here when we built this list is very aggressive, melee-oriented. We're going to try and send a very powerful strike team into their list, try and break it up and go get any extraction objectives that we want, and basically force them to fight us while our very cheap ranged attack or skirmisher models spread out and take our other objectives while hopefully our vanguard force is able to occupy the enemies for as long as possible um moving to our tactics cards we have owns blessing our avengers assemble based on which faction we end up choosing sibling rivalry and drop off which is a great combo patch up brace inspiring monologue and mark for death are our other tactics options uh for our missions our secure options uh, we have gamma wave sweeps across midwest which is the very aggressive Hulk scenario. Um, I can't remember the main deployment. Let me check. Gamma Wave is deployment E, which is just the three points along the center line. So that'll, that'll be perfect for us. Cosmic Invasion, uh, which is the Black Order scenario. It's deployment D. We have Riot over Extremist 3, which is the healing one that is... Which deployment? Let's see. Uh, deployment D as well. Uh, our extract missions are the Montessi formula is found, which is deployment E as an echo. Struggle for the cube continues, which is deployment F. 
fear grips uh, world as the worthy terrorize, which is deployment D, and that's the rest of our missions. So we've got a lot of deployment D, a lot of deployment, or E is an echo, and also F as in Foxtrot. So all of our missions are designed to kind of force people to group up in the middle, which will help our um, very elite melee force that we've built. Um, so like Jeremy was saying, first thing we need to establish, what is our opponent's strategy? And so if our opponent is running like Cabal or Asgardians or maybe um, Black Order, they're going to be pretty similar to our strategy, which is going to be a very elite damage force. Cabal can be more ranged oriented, though. It's mostly Asgard and Black Order is going to be kind of a mirror match. Um, I'd say most of all, we probably need to be most worried about something like the Guardians of the Galaxy, but we have lots of cheap, effective characters that can spread out really well. Or maybe even uh, the Web Warriors, who are really good about spreading out and moving stuff around, board controlling our characters and pushing them and controlling them. So, uh, obviously identifying your opponent is very important. Um, knowing which faction you're going to play based on your opponent before you even start picking missions. Um, unfortunately, in this game, we're pretty much at the mercy of the priority rule for choosing objectives. Um, although you can kind of get a glean at what your opponent might do. So let's say, looking at it from the extract option, I think choosing red when you have the priority is the most valuable, just from a blanket standpoint, because the extract missions tend to be the most different. They tend to have widely varying point totals more so than the blue missions do. And um, there's there's really just some very different missions. Um, like the, the Comet mission that I was talking about earlier with the Black Order. Uh, basically putting all the eggs in one basket and fighting over one object is very strong for those elite um, high point cost models. Getting Hulk or Thanos to be able to pick up. Uh, a single objective and have him have all of the value as long as he can stay alive is very powerful. Um, Parker, what would you say would be most important for our list? Would you say red or blue? Uh, I like, I think hmm, for so this one, for this one, I, I, I think it's going to be secure is going to be the most important to be able to dictate because you want to be able, like both of our lists are kind of like, plant your feet or or dig into your opponent and plant your feet so mm-hmm. i think having the ability to uh, be in one spot and continually play the game and dictate how objectives are going is going to be really important so i think i think there's something to be said about secure but i also i'm i'm i like to ford up i'm like the kind of i'm a player that likes to know where the the action is going to happen um although something i'm getting used to in this game is the is the ability to uh you know grab the objectives and take them places and, and go and make that make them come to me so i could be wrong with this i i'm big caveat but i like the idea of um, having the points where i want them yeah that's that's pretty good um in this particular list i think i might actually agree with you because having a two and three chance of getting gamma wave and forcing it in deployment echo where it's literally just spread across the center line between you and your opponent and forcing everyone towards the middle of the table is really powerful and in that mission, you also take damage for being spread out. So those cheaper, weaker characters are, are also forced to the middle if they don't want to just die of attrition. Um, so I think in this particular one, I think I would probably also choose the Gamma Wave mission if you get access to it, which obviously you only do if you choose secure. And so if you think your opponent also wants to line up and fight you, that might determine your decision. Or if your opponent has what you would consider to be a bad matchup for you, like the Web Warriors or the Guardians of the Galaxy, I would expect. 
I think that you would probably want to choose more like the extraction mission, mainly because it will prevent you them from choosing something like Spider Infected, where it gives them even more board, board control over your models, um, or choosing a. I don't know if you would want to choose the like the the Meteors mission, where it's all in a single objective. I tend to think that's a really dangerous one. It's the alien ship crashes in downtown is the name of the mission. Jeremy, what do you think? Yeah, it's a, uh, it's, yeah, I generally hate it too, unless you actually have a plan for it. So if you're not familiar, it's deployment C, which is um, three across the center line of the table. And so there's three objectives pretty much evenly spaced across the table. Uh, when you interact with it, you roll two dice on a wild or a crit. Uh, the other two objectives are removed from play. And the objective that you just checked becomes a Cree power core, which is an interactable objective, and you immediately pick it up. Um, that objective is worth two victory points at the end of the turn, but since there's no other points to pick up, it's an all-or-nothing scenario. That one's, ran- that one's random, right? That, that other, one is... I yeah, hate that. Exactly. The other all-for-nothing scenario is that there's the switch-flipping one where you gain yep. control of the objective. Been there many times. And it, I think it's also deployment C. It might be a secure, though. I think it is. So let me ask you guys this. Um, when you're building these lists, what is the dream set of scenarios? Like, your opponent isn't sure what's going on, and they pick the one, right? And you're able to pick the one that you want. So for this list we've built, and what we're trying to do, like, what would be the dream pick? What are you hoping for? I think here? the dream mission selection is Gamma Wave for this list. Yeah. Because all it wants to do is build a wall in front of its squishy characters and run at you with its beefy characters between like Captain America, Thor, Loki, Valkyrie. It just wants to run into a small area and deliver hate into something. And so I think Gamma Wave is the best um, deployment option for uh, how it's going to affect the game. But you really don't want to play 15 points. And so if you have priority, if you have priority, you're going to want to choose the other mission pretty much regardless That's of what, what I was going to say. You'd play higher points because your character is really expensive. Yeah, um, I was going to say is that, I mean, the value of that alone, I mean, that that is so scary. You're like, oh my God, he's going to pick that damn 15-pointer. And like, ugh, the world. Uh, yeah. I, I was actually... I was actually going to say exactly the opposite. Uh, I actually love the idea of putting Gamma Wave down because my opponent might be really scared. Unless they have a very specific game plan that loves 15-point games. And if I run into that person, you know, then yeah, guess what? They, they had a really great team for 15 points that was a little better than my team for 15 points. Like, I have a 15-point plan with this with this team, right? Well, that's, that's specifically why I brought up the Guardians and the Web Warriors. Mm-hmm. Because both of them have a lot of really good three-point characters, including their faction leaders. And so they're they're going to have more characters than you guaranteed, and both of them are going to be able to play within that mission fairly well, I think, because they outnumber you so much. And so that's mainly why I was worried. But if you're playing 15 points against Black Order or 15 points against other Asgardian lists, I think you're okay. Uh, and even then, if you if Gamma Wave is part of the objective, right? If, if you're playing with Gamma two, uh, Web Warriors are going to have to go through your line, right? Unless they try to completely circumvent it and come around to the back. Um, which, I mean, some of them are fast enough to do that. And Guardians, there, I mean, yeah, there are a couple Guardians that have speed long, but they're all, like, close-range fighters. All of the Guardians are, except for Star-Lord and Rocket. So, 
if you can kill right but we've got star lord and rocket which are two pretty good range damage dealers but their their other characters are tough enough and put out enough damage to actually fight you for a little bit but it's mostly that you're gonna be noticeably outnumbered is really the problem you're already numbered by one right well, if our core of the list is Thor, Loki, and then beyond that, it's kind of whatever you want. But Thor and Loki are taking up nine points, ten if you take the Mind Stone. So we're only getting basically three characters, and your third character, you know, it's kind of limited in what it can we are, be. We are, I mean, Valkyrie, Valkyrie, Black Widow. I guess we could take four for not taking the Mind Stone. Yeah, just if, if, you're, if you're fine without the Mind Stone, which I think we're fine with losing the Mind Stone for a whole other character, you still have four characters. Think, like, maybe... Yeah, Guardians or Web Warriors can bring five three-point characters that potentially have a lot of damage or a lot of board control. I, I'm not saying you can't win. I'm just saying four point, 15 points is not your ideal setup. Sure, but what I, what I was, the point I was making was if you bring a 15-point scenario, I don't think there are going to be many opponents that are really excited to see that. If you see Guardians and they have all the three pointers they need to make sure you have they have five characters with all three points then yes they might notice that and take that advantage um same thing is true for web warriors but if they brought web warriors and they only brought two three-point characters in their uh construction right if they just took ghost spider spider-man and then all their other guys are twos or fours then they may not necessarily outnumber you the um so the i think I am willing to play those odds. Uh, that's why I think sure. I'm, I'm, that's why I think Gamma Wave. Even though Gamma Wave is 15 points, uh, either uh, my opponent has to have exactly the right Guardians or Web Warriors list to take advantage of it, or it's the other 95% of games, or whatever I can usually anticipate, where they won't like to play at 15 points, or they don't have that specific list in Guardians or Web Warriors to play 15 points and have a significant advantage over me. So I will say that you would much rather play Gamma Wave at 15 points than to play, like, Spider-Infected and Extremist against them. Right. Because they'll just run laps around the table on you, and you'll never get a hold of them. Precisely. Or, at least if yeah. you're playing Gamma Wave, you're forcing them to the center for mm -hmm. the most part. It's just the thing I'm worried about is having your opponent activate last, especially if they're, like, Web Warriors, they have a lot of board control. They'll just bleed your activations out and try and control you as best they can. And then the last two activations they have that go after you are going to jump behind you, push your guy off the point, and score three. And there's nothing you can do about it because you're outnumbered. Like, that's the kind of stuff I'm worried about. Less so than, like, my opponent just gets to punch me more times. But again, I think Gamma Wave is much better to play than, like, one of the hard spots. It's also really funny to look at your opponent's stuff. You look over there and you're like, ha. They can't even build a correct like fifteen points really screws them, and you're like, okay, yeah, get, I remember, yeah, do it. Yeah, I remember when I first started doing that Hulk, Modok, Captain America list, yep. and intentionally playing Gamma Wave every game I could, and people yep. were just like not ready for it yet because they hadn't, like, no one played Gamma Wave. Everyone was just playing like the cubes again, and so it's the first time you see it's very jarring because it's just like so much damage in a small space. Uh, and, and it out-activates you every time. It's basically it was like playing Black Order before Black Order was released. I, I like throwing in strange things like this and making your opponent uh, uh, see things they've never seen before because the likelihood of them making the correct decision and being very clairvoyant is low. Remember, 
if you're sitting at the down at the table and your opponent has not listened to this podcast, then you say, oh, and then you're and they and, and they say like you say here, I uh, I want to have you know uh, gamma wave, and your opponent goes, okay, well, why would they be willing to pick a 15 point list? And look at your stuff, and they go, they must have some reason why to do 15 points. I'm looking at my stuff, and uh. I have not practiced 15 points because that's not something I do very often because the great, 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 great majority of games end up falling at 17 or above. So I'm going to go ahead and go with what I know and pick 17. And you you pat yourself on the back for double faking them out. And I don't think it's that hard. Um, it, and even if they say, okay, you want I'll call your bluff. Uh, let's go ahead and see what happens when your list plays at 15 points. Um, you go, okay, cool. And you drop your 15-point list and it's still four characters and it still feels great. Um and it's playing that objective you wanted, which was Gamma Wave. That's the like the thing you wanted. I think being willing to go down to 15 points and play that way is, first of all, not that sincere of a risk, actually. And second of all, something that's willing to be played as long as you're getting that objective that you want. So, as a whole, uh, Jeremy, do you usually heavily... I mean, I know it's been a while since you played... Um, do you usually have a plan going in, like my list wants to play these scenarios, or if you win priority, which which secure extract are you going to pick? Do you usually have a plan going in? Oh, absolutely. But my plan is usually different than anyone else's. My my plan is again. I usually have hammers. I usually have something that makes your guy stronger, more powerful, and I just want that on the table because I want to hit things really fucking hard. But Along with that, you know, we want to win and be successful and all that business too. But really, like, I, I love the game for being able to create these uh, moments of, oh man, this is going to be awesome. And I even look at that when it comes to choosing the, you know, the scenario pieces. Like, that's a part yeah. of the fun for me. I, Parker, do you feel like there's a best option on just generically? Do you think that choosing extract over secure is normally the right call, unless like in this specific instance we have a plan? Uh, like which one do I like to pick in general? Yeah. General, I, I I like to pick the blues in general, and the main reason why is I like to pick where the fight's going to happen, um, and I know extract can throw that for a loop, and they purposely have spoiler extracts where like, for example, the Cree right where that has two points for every time you are holding onto it. So it, it asks you to move around the board and be more mobile. But my particular style, what I appreciate is uh, knowing where the fight's going to happen on the board. And that's why I like to pick the blues. I, I like to know that, that yes, I, there are objectives that are going to be picked up and moved around the board and I'll have to track those down. But I know this is where my fight's going to happen and my force is ready to fight here, here, and here. So I, I like blues. I'm sorting the missions right now. So, so I prefer secures. Okay, so secure missions range from there's one deployment beta, one Charlie, three Delta, two Echo. Extractions have Alpha, Bravo, Charlie, Delta, Echo, Foxtrot. And so I think there's a bigger variety of deployment options in Extract. I think it's pretty obvious. I'm looking through. There's only two of each at most in Extract. There's three Deltas in Secure. I think if you want to choose where the mission is going to be fought, I think Extract is actually more impactful, although Secure obviously lasts throughout the game as opposed to the Extracts who are only the one time. I also... Re I think... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I think the biggest determination is if you should choose Extract over Secure is who has the most characters for the most part. Mm -hmm. 
because and there's also obviously there's a lot of exceptions to these these concepts but there's a lot of extracts that have different deployments there's a lot of extracts that have very specific rules on what you can do once you pick things up so melee base list there's a lot of extract objectives that say you can only move once you take damage if you don't attack um you can only pick up one objective at a time and so specifically taking those regardless of their deployments regardless of the other things they do knowing that well my opponents generally are going to be chasing me because i have a board control list that's range based like kind of like web warriors where they like to control people or like a range based cheap character list or maybe even cabal because they've got a decent amount of range characters if your opponent has a lot of ranged abilities you probably don't want to pick an extract mission that's going to hinder your ability to get to them and so i think Looking at those things before you choose which, if you're going to choose red or blue, is going to matter a lot. Um, in this one, I think anytime we can force our opponent to bunch up or advantage because I think our list is just designed to win through melee. Yeah, I think just the most important part about this is people, people, because at least locally, I see a lot of our locals that are pretty casual. They will just throw three, three missions that they know in their list and not worry too much about if it actually helps them. So obviously choosing missions intentionally trying to build a list around missions even that can advantage you a lot like the extremist thing if you're playing as guardians or avengers who are both are really good about taking a lot of damage without losing any characters having access to odin's blessing to stop damage having access to bodyguard and then being able to heal yourself up with extremists once you've taken that damage or even play like patch up or uh, med pack to, to heal your characters back up to a, a more reasonable amount of hit points are all really valid ways because i think a lot of people don't realize yet that you're going to get to play the mission that you want two-thirds of the time is really helpful all right i think we've pretty much covered missions so let's move on to tactics cards um in this particular list i think it's pretty obvious what you should choose most of the time uh because we have two faction cards it's going to be determined by which faction you're playing sibling rivalry and drop off are going to be in every list and so three of our cards are already chosen so we only have to choose Two cards from Patch Up, Brace for Impact, Inspiring Malog, and Marked for Death. Um, obviously, Marked for Death is going to be mainly dependent on if our opponent has any any characters that we need the card to deal with. Brace is a great card every time, I feel like. I don't know about every time, but it is certainly going to be useful more often than not. I don't. Uh, so just real yeah. quick, Marked for Death says two allied characters that are within five of the same enemy can each spend one as an active card. This round, enemy character loses and cannot gain stealth and become speed short, and can, cannot modify or reroll their, its defense dice. So even if you don't have ranged characters specifically, being within five of the characters is pretty easy, and if you have someone that mods their defense dice pretty hard, it's always pretty nice. Like, I was playing against Web Warriors, and he took Black Widow in Web Warriors, so she's getting the reroll, and she succeeds on blanks, and so the rerolls get kind of out of hand sometimes, and so sometimes taking Mark for Death is worth it slowing down those characters like if they pick up the objective like on an extract mission like if you're playing the the tree power core mission and they find it you can next turn if you get the priority run up there and mark for death them so he can't move away long after he's picked up the power core and so there's a lot more opportunity to deal with him before he runs away and you lock down his rerolls so in a situation like that obviously you want mark for death as parker said brace for impact is amazing um i it's not very complicated. Obviously, if your opponent's ability to throw size four terrain at you, you should probably take brace for impact if it's available. I mean, it causes your opponent to waste an action regardless. 
Yeah, and I'll say a lot of the time your opponent will forget you have Brace and they'll spend a lot of power using it. Or if they see you have it, they'll tend to not use their throw abilities because they think it'll be wasted because Brace is so cheap. And so a lot of times they'll end up saving you more damage than it really should because your opponents mm. just don't do it until it's like <clears throat> actually used. And it will always be used. That's what's good about it, too. Always. Yes. Uh, I, I was actually about to say, unless you forget to use it, which does occur. <laughs> yeah, that, that's true. <laughs> I, have, I, I, have, I have lost an objective point before going, uh, going, oh, man. Man, that throw was a really smart move. Great job. And I look down at my cards. I'm like, shit. <laughs> I embrace for impact. Now that you've picked up your model and it's over on the board. Yeah. And you're like, mm. <laughs> it's under shit. The classic, I wish there was something I could yeah. have done. <laughs> if only. <laughs> But that's oh. impossible. There's no way I could have done anything. Um, so then the last two cards, which I think are the most matchup dependent, um, patch up and inspiring monologue. Um, surprisingly, I think inspiring monologue is actually the most matchup dependent card, even though I tend to take it a lot. Um, inspiring monologue is amazing on missions where you know one character is be more important than other characters. Um, so knowing your matchup a lot, knowing that your opponent isn't going to be able to deal with, like, let's say Thor, for example, someone who has a decent amount of defense dice, or Captain America who has really consistent defense dice, or even Black Widow who has really consistent defense dice, being able to pick up either the most important extraction element or the multiple extraction elements, and then play Inspiring Monologue on them and be able to potentially defend a huge amount of damage, um, especially on characters that get multiple rerolls. Like, if you have Inspiring Monologue access in Web Warriors and you get extraction tokens, you can Spider Senses reroll, Greater Responsibility reroll, and Inspiring Monologue reroll your dice. Like, and it's just it's just silly the amount of rerolls you can get on a defense roll. Not to mention if you've got characters that have a large amount of dice, like Captain America, that succeed really often. Like... You, I've definitely played Inspiring Monologue and have Captain America just live through just ridiculous amounts of incoming attacks. So having Inspiring Monologue available and also Brace for Impact paired with it so they can't get around the defense dice as easily. Very, very strong combo. In matchups where you don't think that you'll be able to use your dice because they have a, a huge amount of throws, or if they have a lot of ways to avoid defense dice, don't forget to watch out for people like Venom who cancel out your defense rolls. Or, sorry, your modifications. Or if your opponent's running Mark for Death. Like, if you see Mark for Death in their pool of eight, maybe you want to take patch up instead of monologue. I think our Mark for Death is a hot take. I, I don't think <laughs> I don't think I'm going to see... I don't think we're going to see Mark for Death very often in lists. Well, you say that, but Web Warriors are pretty fucking popular right now. I think I think it's actually a pretty good pickup. Oh, no. I, I'm confident that it's awesome. Mm. I just think I just think we're, we got I the like sleeper hit. I like his deals with Stell. Sleeper hit. Sleeper hit. 2020 Terrible. sleeper hit. Yeah. It deals with stealth. Yeah. I like it because it deals with stealth. Um, <laughs> Did no, you guys not. see the new um, Criminal Syndicate card for super stealth? Mm-hmm. And just in case you need the most stealth. Yeah. So it is just like their other card. Um, I can't remember what it's called. The one that gives them priority. But basically, any number of Criminal Syndicate car- characters can spend two power. Mm. For everyone that does... They can only be targeted within range two for the greater. <laughs> you of the can round. be punched in the teeth or nothing, which is very short range. I don't know if you were aware mm-hmm. of that. There you go. Yeah, hmm. it's like Venom is like my arms are short. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the criminals. Uh, I really, 
The more the more criminal syndicate stuff comes out, the more this is the, hey, they may actually be the first bad guy <clears throat> I think about. Because I never think of bad guys. I always just go, but what about the heroes? What kind yeah. of heroes can I play? Criminal Syndicate might be the first bad guy army that I'm really excited to try. It's also amazingly synergetic with the spider foes because they have like three of the same characters on their team. Yeah. Okay, so I think most games, just if you don't know what to take, obviously you're going to take one of the faction cards. You're going to take sibling rivalry and drop off. Um, Jeremy, if you had to pick two of the remaining four of patch up brace for impact inspiring monologue and mark for death which which two are you taking you think without even knowing uh here? if i'm not sure i take brace for impact and inspiring monologue done okay. like it's done deal i'm comfortable those are gonna get used regardless they will be used uh how do you feel about patch up in general are you not a big patch up fan i yeah, I mean, if I'm going to go that direction, I'm probably not taking that list. Yeah. I just don't worry well, about it. Well, the main it. reason I bring it up, because in this list, if you have Loki with the Mind Stone, he's getting three power a turn. And so he's pretty good at fueling it. And being able to put four or five hit points back on Captain America's injured side. Like, once they get him almost dead, and you're just like, ah, surprise, he's back to full. Like, See, if I, I feel like that that's going to be like a game-changing play. And that's the problem for me, is I want Captain America dead anyway. Yeah, even if he's on my he's team, he's gotta die. I, he's done. I want those captains dead. and his Americas dead. <laughs> dead. <laughs> um, I feel like Jeremy is just like the J. Jonah Jameson of Captain America. <laughs> of, of America. That guy he is was. a menace. <laughs> we gotta get him out of here. That guy. He's the captain. Who made him a captain? <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> not my captain. Hashtag my hashtag captain. not my captain. <laughs> Hashtag dead. I I think it's really strange how how much hate flows through you guys towards the leaders of various Marvel um, comics teams. I think it's very interesting. I don't even like Captain America that much. Like, I think he's an interesting character, and I'm glad he exists. (laughs) But I definitely like his mechanics way more than his fluff. Like, I'm so happy. That there is a character that does what Captain America does, as opposed to, like, just liking the characters. Where, I think, I like Thor as a character more than I like his mechanics, but I play Thor because he's fun. I'm just all offense. I, 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 that, that's my issue with almost every game. I'll, I'll, I'll take more offense, even though defense is a smart play. I'm just, like, offense all the way. So what if, uh, just imagine for a second if you would. Uh, you're playing oh, the okay. worthy, so there's the four hammers to add to your dice rolls. And Captain uh-huh. America gets all four, right? Just just imagine for a second. Oh, all right. Okay, <laughs> and then I'm he there. does his shield toss, and he's rolling eight dice on shield toss, ricocheting on wilds for an extra attack. And so he can throw his shield effectively four times because you're rolling eight dice each. So Captain America isn't Offense. running around the table picking all this shit up. That's no, but happening. he's standing next to the opponent who is holding them. So when they die <laughs> and he's still alive, he picks them up. <laughs> well, here's the thing. He couldn't pick them up. I disagree. He's the <laughs> only one that can pick them up because he's Captain America. He's the only he can pick one. up hammers. He has, he has he's one not in my list. Pick up hammers. It God damn it. <laughs> oh, God. That would make me so mad. <laughs> He would block all the all the attacks. 
And then he would throw a fucking shield at me and destroy my mom. Oh my god. Bing. Just like bouncing it no. off your dome. No. Mm. The worst. Hmm. Kind of wish we had built a second list to like a, a what I would take in this example. I think our cards are also very obvious on when you should play them, when you shouldn't. I don't feel like there's a lot of good discussion on the tactics card side. Well, I do think well, our we, we, list... we purposely like Sorry, well, we purposely did that, right? Like we didn't want there to be. Um, I know for me, when I when I pick tactics cards, I definitely steered the conversation in the direction of I want to know what I'm doing most of the time with tactics cards, and I usually only have two or three tactics cards that I'm ever debating on, and. Generally speaking, I already know what five I'm taking most of the time, and I have two that might switch out if I see something really obvious. Uh, like Bark for Death is a great switch out where you're like, okay, well, obviously I'm playing Web Warriors and they have Black Widow, so I'm going to find a use for this at some point. But <clears throat> like, I like the idea that my tactics cards are are I'm counting on them. But I picked. I want tactics cards to swing the game really hard because tactics cards are one use of items, right? They only happen once, and so I need that one use to be really impactful. Uh, so uh, I'm planning on taking exactly certain uh, cards that I'm that I'm sure are going to give me that impact. The only faction that I'm ever like, ah, whatever tactics cards, more or less, is is guardians because I can always turn those into impact with the rerolls. But um, I want. Uh, one of the things about tactics cards in this game, this is one of the reasons why, you know, you and I have had many conversations about how some tactics cards just seem so bad because they can't possibly be giving you the impact that other tactic cards do when you only have the ability to take so many and some of them seem so strong and some of them seem so weak. Why would you ever pick the weak ones? Because you're not going to be able to, uh, uh, you're not going to be able to just fill your, you know, a deck with those. This isn't a, a trading card game where you have to have some weaker cards and some stronger cards. Um, this is you only get five. That's it. And so take the five that you're ever going to use. Uh, plan on having them used every game. I would be upset as a player if I ended games where most games I had four tactics cards unused. Uh, something's wrong. Like I'm like I picked the wrong ones. I should have almost all of them used every game, if not all of them used every game, because that's because I use them for some great advantage. Yeah, I mean, like as we stand now, there's 80 currently available cards, and so you have far more than you could ever consider putting on a list. Um, I think the for selecting them, obviously, you need to break them down into categories and choose what's best for you. But I think there's a lot that will never get played at this point. Like Ricochet Blast from the starter set is a pretty obvious, like big miss for a design point. Like it's more there for aesthetic than it is for actual functionality. Yeah, some of them, some of them have such like stringent stipulations to even activate. Um, you have to go through so many hoops that that uh, you know when you compare something like Brace for Impact to Ricochet Blast. And you're like, both of these are equally valid options to go into your slot. <laughs> you're like, well, uh, obviously the one that can happen instead of the one that might happen for a cost sometimes for a weaker attack than some of my characters can put out. Like, <laughs> I'm uh, like, clearly there's a winner here. And for that reason, um, I think most of the time, I think I, maybe even the hallmark of a really strong list is that you build characters and you planned on certain uh uh, of those tactics cards, and those cards are going to get played almost every game. That means 
if that means you automatically have an advantage over an opponent who's bringing tactics cards that they only plan on using two or three situationally, well, you're winning the game before anybody ever rolls a dice um, because you you had um, you you have more resources than they do, even though the points of values are the same and the objectives are symmetrical and everything's everything's supposed to be balanced. You balance the game in your favor because you brought five tactics cards and you're going to use all five. You know, I, I think I think you can like yeah, maybe four in a or whatever choices I take. I usually have one wild card, right? Like and I think you should, just because unless you're in a tournament and like you're like the number one guy in your mat or whatever, you have to win. But I want like just trying something weird, putting a card in there that you aren't exactly sure how it's like that stuff is kind of cool sometimes it'll pop out and you're like oh my god that, that might have worked i don't know just getting an interesting card in there from time to time is something too oh god is it about cyclops no so what i'm saying is jeremy i'm sorry jeremy, what i'm saying is brandon is uh i when we were building this list i was proud I to say that my five tactics cards are pretty so, much chosen for me because that means no, I'm going no, God, to use no. them. Uh, so the tactics cards I took uh-huh. in my Black Order list, um, I took... I'll just talk about the ones that were interesting. But I took All You've Got and uh, Power of the Cosmos against Brian. So Power of the Cosmos is the AoE attack that Thanos has. It's a Thanos-only card, but it's not affiliated. Um, it's an AoE 1, does 6 dice of damage, energy, costs 0. But the card costs 4 to play. But it gets plus one AOE per Infinity Stone the character has. <laughs> nice. And so it's AOE three if Thanos has two stones. I didn't have the Reality Stone on Thanos. I put it on Corvus that game. Uh, but I triggered Power of the Cosmos and made a five-person wow. AOE three attack that did ten damage. And so I did ten damage to his team with Power of the Cosmos, which was pretty fun. But I played all you got on Black Dwarf. And so Black Dwarf played it while injured and died. But I think it was probably worth it. Um, basically, the situation was Thor had just flipped to the Azinger side, and Spider-Gwen was there full health. And so I activated Black Dwarf. He had like three damage on him on the injured side, ten power. And I dazed Ghost Widow and did like six damage to Thor. And then he died when I played it, so... But I thought it was probably worth it because he was going to lose that fight anyway. Because, you know, Thor versus Black Dwarf is fairly comparable, even though Black Dwarf will probably lose in the long run. But uh, with the Spider-Gwen there as well, then I was clearly going to lose. And so instead of just dying probably before I got to activate again, I got to do two more attacks into him. And but I think that's, that's a card that's probably not going to get played a lot. Yeah, but at the same time, uh, all you've got in... Um... Uh, in Black Order actually has a natural advantage, which is it's a card that is going to turn into likely uh, uh, victory points because Black Order gets victory points from KOing others. So, sure. so like if you've got if you remember if Black Order, if you know you're already always going to be um, down usually in uh, numbers, your your opponent's going to have more models than you. Then all you've got is a great way to make one of your models count for two at a crucial moment. You're like, okay, well, this model is, is is about to die. I'm about to lose him. There's nothing I can do. He's not going to be able to contribute to the game anymore. But I can make this tactics card turn into a victory point for me and a lost character for him 
because I've got it. And that's that's a fantastic value in Black Order specifically. It's so much of a better value than than some other uh, forces that put up. So I, uh, like I said, all, I think all you've got is a great choice if you're if you're planning on Black Order. Um, it's situational again. It's it's more situational than than some other cards because it's not proactive. You have to wait for something. You know, you have to wait for a good situation for this to be beneficial. But if you have that situation like you're describing, well, you you know you turned lemons and lemonade uh, and you doubled your value because you're playing it in black order so um i i think there are cards out there um that are i don't know that you double it necessarily but it certainly has an additional part sorry yeah maybe not it's maybe it's not 100 percent, but you're multiplying but by extra because you're contributing to the win condition of the game um like one card that i I, that i think that i don't know who where it's going to play but in my guardians list and all my guardians list i have follow me um, and it seems kind of strange to play a six power card because when are you going to have that? As it turns out, Star Lord has six power all the freaking time when he has the power stone. Um, so you know, uh, Star Lord doing using Follow Me is actually really easy to do. So I don't think that I, I don't think that you automatically have to use the cards that everybody plays all the time. Um, in order to have a really clear game plan for them, but I think you should if you're picking a tactics card. Um, I think you should have a plan for using it, even if it's a situational plan or it's a, uh, you know, it's it's something that, you know, would be awesome if it happens. If you're still then if, if even if it's a little Machiavellian, if it's a little bit of a Rube Goldberg machine, uh, I think you can tolerate that if the payoff's going to be something really excellent, like all you've got or follow me or um, some of these other really impactful cards that that they put so many gates on because you have to walk through all of them to get to this really cool effect but if you're if you're if your list reasonably reliably can count on that happening then i think it's it's a good choice but again i'm a player who likes to shoot all the guns if i have five tactics cards out in front of me and i didn't use some in one game something wrong happened i want to use all the guns fire all the guns <laughs> fire them. uh parker since you enjoy firing all the guns i'll tell you that uh what is quickly becoming my favorite character in the game is corvus glaive yeah he uh he applied 14 hits to Spider-Man. <laughs> he died. Yeah. He was like, I'll just roll my three shit. <laughs> like, re-roll, you want your max is six. Jeremy, you and, you and I weren't talking very much, but I, I told Brandon this many times. When Corvus Glaive uh, came out, all of my lists all of a sudden had Corvus Glaive and Proxima Midnight in them. <laughs> and Brandon and I agreed that's probably not okay. I should probably don't have to do that, but I wanted to. I wanted to put Corvus... Just- <laughs> shoehorning seven points of black order into every list is probably not the way to I win, told my but... I told myself I was like I have all these lists but I can't think of a way to spend seven points better than these two models so I'm just gonna put them in everything and I did for a little while and uh, we decided it probably wasn't the right move but I think it's a misconception that you need that seven point module I think you'd be much better off looking at the five point module of Corvus Glaive with the reality stone. sure <laughs> yes I think five point Corvus Glaive reality stone is amazing it's so good. In terms of 15, like, it's really amazing that you look at a five-point character that's a four-point character plus just one extra effect and go, yeah, I bet that's about as good as Doctor Strange. And you're like, yeah, yeah, probably. <laughs> like, but really? He's a five-point character and he has all these goodies. How could that possibly be in the same league? And then you start looking at just the basic dice efficiency of that guy and you're like, oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> he is going to trade up those five points every game. So good. So good. 
I will save. I think Corvus Glaive is better in Black Order than he is in most factions. But having access to the bonus dice from Thanos, the place from Thanos, the double activate with Proxima, Mothership, and Execute. I mean, you can get Execute out of Black Order, but you're already taking Proxima. And I think Corvus is obviously best with Reality Stone. It compounds really well with how many dice he rolls. And with the, his damage reduction he already has, it makes him very survivable. I think he's obviously best in Black Order, and I think it's a mistake to take him in every fucking list. <laughs> but he is definitely something people should look at. But I think it is hard to bring in like a five-point mercenary into a lot of factions. Uh, that being said, Modok was dropped into the list a lot, like in the early stages of the game. Like you just... Well, that's when there was 12 characters, not, you know, hold on a second, give me two. 51. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, Jeremy, I think I interrupted you. No, I was just getting ready to imagine a list with uh, Corvus Glaive and his wife and, you know, Black Panther and <laughs> all of the, you know, like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, that's uh, Wakanda. Uh, my, I mean, all right. honestly speaking, like, not only does he get everything he wants in Black Order, but I think Black Order wants him just as much. So, uh, Jer- uh, Jeremy, my, my kooky idea my Rube Goldberg machine that I that I made was actually Proxima and Corvus uh, in Guardians because Star Lord can uh, drop off Proxima and she is currently one of the only characters in the game that can do a zero cost attack with what lets drop off lets you do a one zero cost attack with your the character that you drop off and the, her zero cost attack allows her to oh immediately teleport God. and so if you want to you can pick up Proxima, uh, drop off, she throws her spear, teleports there, and then starts eating whatever is over there. Um, it's, I really, really liked the idea. But I, it, it's that very much... You, Go ahead. You're not allowed to do that. <laughs> you, they wouldn't do that. They wouldn't do that in real life. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be silly. But Proxima, they I'm Proxima is a I'm bad just guy. imagining Jeremy is like, nah, they're not friends, like, in a tournament. <laughs> like, <laughs> They don't even... <laughs> They don't even like each other. You understand that? <laughs> Parker, come tell them why. Uh, excuse me. <laughs> excuse me. Just tell them why. Tell them about Proxima, uh, Excuse me. Proxima Midnight. Proxima Midnight was wronged by this person in the past, Pro- so they would never... Uh, Proxima Midnight would never, would never join a team with Star-Lord for these reasons. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so quick summary for uh, yeah. the list building. Um, when you're selecting... Um, all of your cards versus your opponent in the game. Obviously, you're at the mercy of priority. Uh, when you gain priority, it is a big decision. Choosing secure versus extract mainly. Um, being able to know the missions that you have, how to apply them correctly versus your opponent. Primarily, you just need to take some time, really go into the think tank, and mentally exercise choosing your your options like knowing when you're going to choose which missions versus which people and don't be afraid to commit to a strategy and have the option of that mission not being an option because you gotta remember two-thirds of the time it's going to work out for you which is probably enough to lean on and worst case scenario i think a lot of players currently are still pretty casual in their list choosing which is actually a huge part of the game like i just described earlier i played as Web Warriors versus Black Order, and as Black Order versus Web Warriors, and they're two dramatically different games. Like, very one-sided scenario games in both directions for me. Because in one game, 
the Black Order player spent a lot of time thinking about scenarios and choosing them correctly, and the other person just picked what they normally play with their normal lists, which is way more important when you're playing a low model count faction or a heavy board control faction. That's very important that you're taking full advantage of your abilities and covering up your weaknesses as hard as you can. And so don't don't be afraid to use your advantages as, as much as you can to gain an advantage, if that makes sense. I was going to say that it just so happens that our topic tonight is about picking, you know, the scenario that is appropriate for your for your list. But there are some lists that automatically care more about scenario. Like that is actually a thing. We we've happened to talk about if you have yes. if you've noticed, we've spoken a lot about the Black Order and Web Warriors this uh, this session. But that's because those two factions care so much about what um, kind of scenario you're playing. There are some. There's some armies and lists that are going to be more flexible, and you can purposely, if you if you want to just play whatever scenario your opponent picks, if you want to be able to just do kind of generic stuff, you can build a list that is more flexible um, with that kind of thing. It's going to be less dire, but this game is still an objective game. You win and lose based on objectives most of the time, unless you're playing um, Captain America. Then Jeremy will just uh, table flip to you, and that is how you win. Yeah, I I won't even play the game. It's over. <laughs> Get your W. It's worth it's worth driving to Kansas City to play games just so you get free wins against Jeremy if you play Captain. Yeah, I mean, if <laughs> you want to, what are you playing? Black Order. So I've got Thanos, Black Dwarf, Corvus Glaive, and Captain America. And he's like, God yeah. damn it! He's just like fucking throws. If you need a W that bad. I'll just give it to you. It's fine. <laughs> One of my favorite moments uh, ever in uh, this game is when I walked up to a table where you two were playing and. Brandon, you Jeremy was so mad at Captain America. It was like turn three or four, and you were just. I think furious. I remember this. Game. And then, was... and then, Bra- and Brandon, you said you do see there's a really big like dumpster right there. Your character could easily pick up that dumpster and throw it into Captain America, and he would die. You actually have him almost dead. And Jeremy just looks at the board. And he goes, "No." He was <laughs> he was so blind with rage. He was like, "That motherfucker is gonna die." I'm gonna shove this stick so far up his ass. And you go, no, I'm going to kill him without using dumpsters. What I need is my entire army focused on one model. (laughs) I don't need no instructions (laughs) to know how to rock. You got it. Yeah. (laughs) That guy. So much. It was perfect. Oh boy. All right. Well, I think that pretty much covers our initial topic. Um, I think most people would agree that the mission selection is a lot more important than people think and probably the most important part of list selection. Um, Obviously, knowing how to counter your opponent with the strategies you've already built into your list, but if you follow the concepts that we've talked about in the previous two episodes on how to properly build a list and build a roster that can get you into most games, I think you'll be fine at this step as long as you keep to those tactics. Don't just make easy, willy-nilly decisions. Don't just wing it. Actually follow your thought process. You you should have selected scenarios and tactics cards that benefit your lists and cover up your weaknesses for a reason. Just stick to that. I think you'll be fine. Um, this has just been our intro section on building lists and selecting lists. And a little bit down the road, after we've talked about a lot of other stuff, we'll come back to this and we'll talk about some more in-depth strategies that we've discovered along the way. Uh, but until then, we're pretty, gonna, pretty much going to put list discussion to the side for now. And uh, anything we do in the future is just cool dojo that we've thought about. Uh, and to be so, to be fair, no, one more thing. To be fair, um, 
if you are that kind of player where you know the gaming is is the last thing you care about the thing you care about most is is playing the models in the universe or playing the models that you painted and modeled and you're really excited to do it you know uh, some of this really is just i really want to see thor you know pick up the hammers in a worthy mission because i love you know uh, fear itself the mini series where the worthy were introduced in the marvel universe if you wanted to do that and that was your motivation for playing and you didn't care who won or lost that's another way to pick scenarios um i take huge offense at you trying to squeeze a comic corner into this fucking <laughs> you did not pre-approve that, that was that, not okay that was not this. an attempt at doing that that was actually 100 percent an attempt at validating in in you mentioned an earlier episode right you said in early episodes you know take those advices one of uh, one of the things that Jeremy said it in earlier episodes. Sometimes he just plays the thing that he thinks is going to be cool. Um, so, Jeremy, I'm going to need you to weigh in here. Was that an attempt to comic corner me? Um, wait, oh, God, Parker, you motherfucker, you <laughs> did it. Two versus one. You did it? We talked. You're about off the it. podcast. <laughs> we get talked out. About it. We talked about it. You're going to cut. You're going to cut my that. pay in half, aren't you? What did you do? <laughs> yeah. What did we yeah. do? You're you get uh. one third pay until this issue is resolved. <laughs> Jeremy is getting. I already doubled it. Jeremy is getting triple pay until. Oh, you get your pay again. that's the opposite. That's Thank the reciprocal you. of my demotion. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Darn it. All right. So real quick, <laughs> since we're kind of on the topic, and Jeremy brought it up before the episode started. Um. Do we think this is more of a tournament game or more of a casual game? Uh, I'll let Jeremy start since he was the one that introduced the topic before the podcast. Oh, God. You know, I would love to say it. I, I, I'm always looking for that casual, perfect spot. You know, and every time I find it, and I'm like, this is the one. But man, this game is incredibly deep. It is not easy to get a win unless you know what you're doing. So I, I'm going to lean towards uh, it's more of a tournament game. I mean, it, it's, if you want to blow something up and you want to punch something really hard and that's fun for you, okay, it's fun. You're not going to win, but it's fun. That's where I... I so coming from War Machine, which all of us have, we were all pretty competitive War Machiners back in our day. Uh, we were pretty big deals in our local meta. Hmm. And <laughs> so <laughs> anyway... <laughs> Uh, I think the most important part of having a casual game is that anyone can show up and have fun. And the most important part of a competitive game is a clean, precise rule set that's easily understood, has very few, what's the word, um, massive imbalances. And uh, the second important part of competitive play being... Gray areas. hmm, I also want to put this very well. Let's see. I would say um, just a parody, really. Like, like obviously, you can't have a tournament game People kneel before where everyone you. plays the same thing because it's the best, right? Like, you need, you need to have a way to have everything be at least reasonably balanced and that aesthetic will naturally separate players. Obviously, that's good in the casual aspect as well. Being a, a severely competitive player myself, I know that in the past, I have avoided games because they're solo casual or because um really just a lot of things it's hard to put these into words um there's been a lot of games i've played over the years um anything from dungeons and dragons to uh war machine to monster apocalypse like wide variety of games the most important thing for the casual player is that it's simple 
and that it's fun. Uh, the most important thing to a competitive player is that it's precise and that it's balanced. So in my opinion, the most important thing for a game company is to follow all four of those premier topics. And in my instance, I tend to sacrifice the more casual options for the more competitive options. Because if you have a cat, you have a competitive game that is balanced, that is functional, that does not have a lot of rules questions, that does not have a lot of counterintuitive wording, that is not very vague, that you're not constantly trying to figure out how this works, or why is this massively imbalanced? Why is the giant dragon guy so much stronger than everyone else and I can't have fun? I think if you have a competitive game, it's easy to make that competitive game casual. If you have a casual game, it's not necessarily easy to make it competitive. And so that's, for me, the most important thing is when I say competitive is way more important. Also because it tends to be that a lot of the competitive players tend to drive the communities. Like, And not that like you have to come play my competitive game and you have to play against me and I have to win against you or anything like that. It's more that the person that's willing to put in the time to organize events, to schedule game nights, to encourage other people to come, to do all the community building, is more likely to show up to a game night when that game is good and that it is competitive, it is balanced, and they've put the work in. So that being said, I think the biggest turnoffs to casual gaming, hands down, are negative play experiences. And that generally comes from unforgiving rule sets, um, unforgiving um, scenarios, stuff like that, like spending all this time, the, the hobbyers have assembled their models, they've painted their models, they've put in all this emotional investment, they've shown up to a game night, and they lose on top of one because they don't understand how to not shoot their fucking pistol on their caster. Parker, why don't you describe what that feels like? <laughs> I was going to say, that is exactly like... That's exactly why I hate this game! No, no, I was actually going to say, that's why I actually like, uh, why I like this game, and one of the reasons why I think it is... We're not there yet. Talk about what I told you to talk oh. about. Well, I thought you were trying to answer the question that you originally put up, but okay. No, no, no. I want you to talk about how it feels when you lose games. It's absolutely you're never a part of. It, it's it's absolutely it's absolutely the worst because even if you're somebody like me who bought all their models from Jeremy, um, uh, even if you don't, <laughs> even if you don't, um, even if you just love the way that they look and you love the mythos, or you just really love pouring yourself into the game and you spend hours, you know, making what you mm-hmm. think of is going to be an exciting, yep. fun list that you know shows some part of who you are, and you bring it to the game and you sit it down and you know that's your general. This general shoots her gun, and so she shoots her gun, and then she dies um, instantly from your opponent's one-trick pony or just a random roll of a dice. You just spent minimally. You just lost like two and a half hours of your life just into the wind. All that investment of that time is gone. Uh, maximum, you had to uh, you had to create time in your life. You had to uh, arrange for people to um, deal with your social responsibilities because you couldn't do that while you went and uh, played games. You cashed in um, social credit in order to make it happen. And you maybe had to arrange it physically, uh, either electronically because you're trying to make sure it works, or you you had to arrange your, your person there, or you got to the actual game store and everybody's playing a game, and so you had to wait for half an hour before anything could start. Like, there are so many things that could completely deflate you as a person if the game is not rewarding. So many things. Take it from... I almost cut you off way before you finished there, and I'm glad I didn't, because that's exactly where I was going next. And... Jeremy and Parker, both of you guys have demon spawns, so you'll respect this more than anybody, that 
the amount of investment it takes just for you to show up to the building. Like, like you've scheduled this years in advance, really. Like, the amount of, like, investment you've made at a family level, at a social level, at a hobby level, and that's beyond even just what the average person does. Like, the, the amount of investment for hobby games, tabletop miniatures specifically, is incredible. Like, it's an expensive hobby, it's a time-consuming hobby, it's an art all of this stuff goes into it. And when you put basically months of your life, like I just gave a demo to a couple of people the other day. And for the fact that they're going to show up during a pandemic, they're going to take their models home. They're going to assemble them. A lot of times learning to do it for the first time, they're going to paint their models. They're going to, and they're doing all this because they love the aesthetic. They love the, the character mythos of Marvel and all of the things around it. They show up to the game, and what happens? And you're just like, Raffle Stomp lost in five minutes. And they're like, well, I'm glad I wasted hundreds of dollars and, and months of my life trying to get ready for this hobby just so I could show up, have a terrible time, and never want to do this again. And that's where I'll say that Marvel does a really good job of ensuring that isn't going to be their response. Because the it's almost impossible to just instantly eliminate anything in this game because of the dazed mechanic and the, the way wounding stops at some point. The, the recovery mechanic of taking a bunch of damage and getting power back for it allows you to respawn. It's like a, a comeback mechanic built into the game. Um, characters generally are pretty hard to kill regardless. Like It's pretty uncommon to see someone just walk up and kill somebody. That's very uncommon in this game. Or it is very common in other games, like War Machine. Like, commonly in War Machine, I'd say about 50% of the models that die never make attacks. Like... They don't even get to participate before they die because the game is so bloody, which is very unrewarding for casual players. So I'll say where Jeremy came in originally and said that he thinks it's more of a tournament game, I do think the game is built to be deep enough that the competitive players will definitely enjoy it. I do think it could be a little bit deeper, mostly just because I'm not a huge fan of skirmish level games. I like war scale games where you have about 100 models instead of 6. But that being said... I think it, it's a really good job of, of splitting the difference where pretty much anyone can show up. You can play all Avengers. You can you can Avengers assemble. You can play all the cool, fun cards, and you'll be playing the game, and I don't think you'll have as many negative play experiences as you will in other games. Jeremy, what do you think? I agree. I, I think the, yeah, the, the negative playing experience is the perfect way to put it. Um that is pretty much eliminated the the ko mechanic and on the way you're you know that whole thing is set up is really cool um it's a lot different than any other game because of that parker do you think it leans more towards one than the other um i do not think this is a very casual game and the main reason why it's, uh, i don't think it's a very casual game is there's just so much to it one of the things that I know drives people away from games uh, very quickly is le the level of uh, complication. Um, how much do I have to learn in order to start playing? And at yeah. just the you know I'm gonna I'm gonna you know I'm gonna pick up the starter game and play. <laughs> the starter box comes with how many freaking cards? <laughs> like the uh, and so, a rule book. Real quick, real quick. I I understand where you're putting that down. But on the counterpoint, I think you've been a little bit spoiled recently. Um, so how long would it take you if you sat down in a room by yourself to learn to play War Machine competitively? Competitively? Ten years? 
10 years? Five? Nine? How long would it take me to play War Machine competitively? To learn to play War Machine at a competitive level, sitting alone in a room reading. Oh, I did that. Um, like, I, I learned to play... Without any actual games happening? I, I le- oh, sorry. I played games against myself. I learned to play War Machine because the my, my community in Lawrence completely shut down for years. I played games of War Machine against myself on uh, on a game table in my basement for, like, a year and a half before I got to play any games against people. I went in the... They kind of resurged again. So... Yeah, but I, I played you back then. You were terrible. Um, no, I, I wasn't. I, I didn't. Well, the problem is whenever you play against yourself, what you don't see is the whole width of the game, right? I I, yeah. I could definitely. You, you don't ex- see yeah. what people will exploit against you because you don't know that it exists or else you would defend it. Right. it right. So, but that being said, to go back to my. Uh, actually, I'll, I'll let you finish your point because it sounded like you were going somewhere with it. What was what was the right. point of so, it? So my point was, I think. The basic concept of the rules in this is very similar, kind of like X-Wing is really simple, really, not somewhat simple. It's really simple, kind of like X-Wing is. Like, the concept of maneuvering and measuring ranges is obviously dead simple. The, the, all the stats being simple, small numbers is very basic. Like, it's not hard to understand how defense dice work. It doesn't get actually complicated until you get into timing, which is usually not necessary for your first, like, five to ten games. And it's usually not necessary when you're building lists for the first couple times. The only thing that's kind of confusing is the breadth of options available, which is if you're getting a starter box and just buying the models you like, I don't think really enters into it. Uh, I'm uh, What I'm going to say is, because Jeremy and I were talking about that just today um, before we started casting, okay. um, like when you pick up any character in this game, like any one character in this game, you actually have to learn so many other things in the game. Uh, and, and some characters right now are the only characters that have certain special rules, right? So when you pick up, for example, um, Ronan the Accuser, you're like, I want to play Ronan the Accuser. Well, not only do you have to learn what Ronan the Accuser does as you know, a brand new player who hasn't played a lot of games, but you're also going to have to learn what Judgment does. And that's a new entry in the rule book now only found online. And I'm not saying that any of those things are unreasonable from us, people who play a lot of you know, games and we're used to going trekking and finding this stuff. But if you were, uh, like, I, like if we, this was a beer and pretzels game, this would all seem like way too much energy of activation. The energy of activation for all these activities is just way too high. So um, that's why I believe this game is a competitive one. I think this game was designed for people who have played games, uh, who want to win games, who are, uh, who are well-versed at navigating the forest for the trees uh, when it comes to tabletop gaming, I do not think uh, uh, if anyone who loves the Marvel Universe uh, wants to play this game, I think you will you will have to learn how to play board games. Uh, tabletop, sorry, I learned you will have to learn how to do tabletop gaming in order to participate in this. Also, you will not be able to just pick this up in the way you might be able to pick up a trading card game based on Marvel, for example, because um, everybody's played Uno. Uh, that those skills translate, but I do not know how. Um, you know, being able to play something like even as complex as Monopoly uh, is going to translate to a game this uh, with this many moving parts, and that again, that is not a detractor. I don't think I don't think they had any illusions when they designed this game about what they were making. It's very clear that they wanted to make a game where each character felt like the real Marvel heroes, and if you love Marvel, you will know that every hero is very intricate. So. So if you pile, you know, 50, you said 54 is how many characters we got right now? 
So if you did just the characters and just the basic rules, <laughs> saying nothing about the conditions or the timing chart or all the cards to the crisis missions and all that well, stuff, that there's all those degrees of, of complication just increase the energy of activation so much that I think it, at some point it, it, it goes over the level of a, of a casual game and it moves into a competitive game. Now, and you guys have defined competitive and casual your, your own way. I look at competitive casual, uh, competitive versus casual as a energy of activation for a person who wants to engage in a pastime, right? So at a certain point, this, this is no longer a pastime. Now it's an inter- intricate intellectual enterprise. And that is what I think MCP is. And that's what I want to spend my time in my life doing. I don't like passive experiences. That's why I love MCP. But I don't think this is... Um, nearly as casual a game that the 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 average person who wants that low energy of activation is going to be able to jump in and um uh be able to 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 feel like they're exploring all the the places now you guys are right this game has great comeback mechanics no one's going to feel like their time is wasted uh playing this game even if all you get to do is play a demo game and you have somebody really hold your hand Hansel and Gretel breadcrumb through the forest style like they're really showing you everything to do you're going to feel great when you get done you're not going to feel like you wasted your time uh this this game has a lot of of good of great things but one of those great things is intricacy and that's going to stop it from being a casual game and by my definition what's interesting um i watched uh one of the local guys with his sons and i think they were i don't know i think his sons are like 12 and 10 or something like that and he was kind of helping them through the game but they were playing you know with the basic rule set and they weren't going in that deep but man they were having a hell of a time and it seemed like a lot of fun but it was not the same game sure but i mean anytime you're playing a game casually obviously you're not that kind of, I think, implies you're not exploring the, the final conclusion of um, efficiency, I guess, would be the term. Like, you're mm-hmm. not trying to make it... Like, like two people can play chess casually, right? Mm. But one of them might be a grandmaster playing casually, and that's going to result in very different effects. But the reason I say it's it's very close to being a casual game, at least a lot more so than most tabletop games, is... All of the resources you need to play are free. I mean, the rule book, including everything, even all the online updates, is 29 pages. Yeah, 29 pages. The Currently, the GW rulebook is like 380. Uh, and I know that's a lot of pictures and a lot of background information, but like even just the rules is far more than that. It's it's not overly complicated. There are There is a lot of information, though, I will say that. Um, and if you're buying, even if you're just buying one faction, like for example, Guardians of the Galaxy, you do have to worry about powers like Judgment and looking up what they do in the rulebook. And the rulebook is online; you don't have a physical copy unless you print it out. Um, I can understand how you would view that as a more of a competitive game, and honestly, I think that's good. It, I think every game should be designed from a competitive standpoint first, and then focused on casually second. Because it can go one way, it can't necessarily go the opposite way. It's hard. It's a lot harder to go the, the reverse and take a casual game into the competitive spectrum. But that being said, I think the game is very easy to pick up at its base levels. The core rules are very simple. They're very intuitive, which is even more important. Like if I t- like if you if you sit down and you go, hey, these are your stats. You're this fast. You're this big. 
you are this many points, and these are your defensive abilities. You get two actions, go. You get to activate one guy at a time. Like, I think most people, from with just that information, could perform a turn without too much to do about it. And then, like, obviously, like, knowing what all the different terms mean, like, bleed and root and slow and all that, obviously that's a lot more information, but still it's pretty low on the list of things you need to know. Like, in War Machine, like, knowing how to do a throw power attack. Like, what happens when I throw this heavy war beast into your unit of infantry? You're like, well, that's, like, six paragraphs. Like, that's almost as many as the core rules of this game. Like, I think it's a lot closer to casual than we were, than, than you guys are inferring it is. But I will say, I do like how clean it is, which is clearly the game is written from a competitive standpoint. People wanted it to be to be able to use, like, there shouldn't be any way two intelligent people read this paragraph and disagree about what it means. Like, that's what it means to have a clear rule set, to have a precise rule set. Um, Being able to measure ranges efficiently, like, knowing the difference between measuring within and completely within a distance. Like, that stuff is important. But all in all, I think competitively, like let's say if, like in my opinion, War Machine is the the was the best competitive rule set that had ever been printed for a war game. So let's say that was a, a ten out of ten. I think this game is probably an eight or a nine because it's very clean, it's very precise. We haven't fully examined where it's going yet because it's still in its very early stages. I would say because the game is barely more than it's wait. The game is, like, not even a year old yet. It's, like, three weeks from a year old. And it's very easy to pick up. It's very easy to teach people. I I think it's probably, like, a four in difficulty to learn out of ten. But it's, like, eight or nine competitive level, which I think I think is really important. The barrier to entry is very low. You don't have to play that many games before people really start getting it. As where, like, War Machine, which I know we keep going back to, but we've played thousands of games of War Machine between us. And... You would start playing War Machine in Mark II, and it'd be like six months before you expected to win a game against a good player. And that's like best case scenario. And this game, like clearly you could start winning after like a couple weeks probably of actually trying. And I'm pretty I'm pretty happy with the state of this game so far. And I think I think they do a really good job of splitting the casual and competitive concepts. I actually was about to say that despite my what's kind of sounded like it sounded like critique when I was giving it. Um, I, I will, I think this game has incredible depth, which I have to have in a game where I don't even start. I don't even bite on a game if it doesn't have depth. Yeah. So uh, this game has great depth, but if you, if I was going, to, if, if someone was going to come off off the street and say, you know, you've been playing tabletop games for, you know, 15 years, um, what game that's out right now would be a great game for me to start with. I, I would point at this game first. Um, and even though it does have a lot of intricacy, I would tell them like, Hey, yes, just so you know, you're going to see mountains of text really fast on your very first, you know, box you open. There's going to be a lot to read and a lot to learn, but you're going to really appreciate this game for all the things it does. Once you get started, a lot of the things that make this game great, uh, require you to know a little bit about tabletop gaming, but once you get that underneath you, you are really going to like, um, what this game does because of all the things we've just talked about the the comeback mechanics the low chance for uh, negative play experiences the devotion to the source material um all those things make for a very rewarding experience that you may not get in a quote-unquote competitive tabletop game 
that that might turn a player off who wanted to do something like uh, tabletop gaming. It's a really it would be a great place to start. <laughs> did did my argument sway you a little bit? As because I know you came in okay, pretty I'm heavy convinced. on the competitive side. Did my um, argument sway you a little bit? No, I mean uh, legitimately. I um so <laughs> well because kind of my. <laughs> Initially, I was like, you know what? It's super competitive, but after four beers, it's awesome. Um, but no, I really land in that. Like, I'm thinking, well, you know, I actually played both, and I played both very seriously. Like, I'll I will sit there and watch Age of Ultron, and I'm like, oh my god, I'm using Ultron. He's such a badass, and that's the only reason. It has nothing to do with being competitive. It's nothing to do with, you know, anything other than he's just a badass and I want to play him today. Um, and there's also days where I'm like, you know, me and you'll line it up and be like, this is our best choices and this is what we're going to do. So I, it lands in both fronts. It's just the wall of text and it, it's, it, it's so much. It really is. And there's a lot of gotcha moments. If you don't know it all, that, that, make some unfun experience uh, i know we're not really on the topic of like game designers right now but generally speaking and this is why i take offense to what parker just says he doesn't play a game unless there's depth he plays x-wing i know that for a fact and that game has zero depth but <laughs> moving on past that bullshit fuck you parker that game sucks <laughs> yeah uh you keep telling yourself that. a lot of people tend to avoid fantasy flight games specifically because they say they don't know how to write like a competitive rule set and as an example, I'll just throw it out there real quick. And this is my personal opinion. You don't have to necessarily agree with it. Um, X-Wing, Armada, Legion, Star Wars Destiny, a lot of stuff like that um, tends to come out. And it's gangbusters initially. And then they'll run into um, creative design ceiling, basically, where it's like, well, we've kind of written ourselves into a corner because we made X and then we made Y to counter X. And now nothing counters Y. So now we're making W, which is really just better than everything. And oh, shit, we... We're in tighter of a corner now, so now we're going to make Y super broken. And so they just tend to escalate really quickly into like a power creep counter scenario. And usually they come out on the better side of it in the long run. I'll give them that. But clearly they don't plan super far ahead on initial design. And that being part of like a larger game organization in general, that can kind of happen when you're not specialist in a particular field. Like clearly Fantasy Flight Games makes a huge array of games. And they have a huge amount of employees, and there's a lot of bureaucracy involved. Asmodee owns F Fancy Flight Games, and Asmodee is the company that that is partnered with Atomic Mass Games. They are not technically part of FFG, but they do have a very similar release cycle. They do have a really similar distribution cycle. They have a really similar, basically, product layout because they're they're very similar because most of them are involved with asmodee which is a very large game organization on the whole but uh, clearly the people that designed this game put a lot of thought into stuff going forward like they left a lot of room for expansion they had the foresight to make the online rule books so that way they could add in these new effects that come in as soon as they drop they could instead of having a printed rule book like you get the learn to play guide in the, in the core book but that's not technically the rule book and so that way they can go in and change anything they have an issue with or it's causing problems. And so this is well thought out. It's got a lot of infrastructure behind it. It's got a lot of experience behind it. 
I like the way that they're able to adapt things. Like when the rule book first dropped, we didn't have rules for Infinity Stones. We didn't have rules for Judgment. We didn't have rules for Poison. Like we didn't have any of this stuff. And it's just seamlessly getting integrated into the rule book as everything comes out. And at any time, if they run into a competitive or a balance issue, they can update those things on the fly and everyone will have immediate access to it. And so I, I have a lot of faith in the people behind this product. So so I like I like that for this game as well, which is obviously really important for both competitive and casual play. So how does it land? Well, four, on a 1 to 10 scale, I would say. <laughs> so, like, overall great? No, so on the competitive scale, like I already said, I think it's an 8 or a 9. And 10, I think, is literally the pinnacle. I, I almost don't even want to put War Machine at a 10. But because I devoted almost 10 years of my life to that game and traveled to Europe to play it, I think it deserves a 10 just from the sole purpose of I was putting 40 hours a week into that game and I felt like all 40 hours were, were rewarded for the investment I had. And that was that was at one point. I don't feel that way anymore, obviously. Um, I'm not very happy with where the game is currently. But I think at one point, like let's say midway through 2nd edition War Machine through midway through 3rd edition War Machine was the most fun I've ever had tabletop gaming, hands down. Part of that might be the people I met playing it, like you guys and a few other people, but I I had a blast learning and playing that game, and it was very rewarding to me. I think this game has a lot of potential, and right now I'd put it at about an 8. Um, I think it, it could go higher easily. Um, on the competitive spectrum, I think the lower the number, probably the better, because I think the barrier to entry for this game is very low. It has, I think, hands down the best entry starter box in the game. Like, there's no question two people can play a tournament-sized game for $100 total. Explain how that's possible for any other game. It's awesome. Even X-Wing. Even X-Wing, it's impossible. No, yeah. Yeah, it's not even not close. Even like, if you bought three starter sets, two people can't play competitive. Like, it's not even close. Mm-hmm. It's insane they were able to release the core set. It comes with terrain. It comes with tokens. It comes with rulebook. It comes with fucking models. It comes with cards. Like, it's stupid. How What, what all comes in that box? I can't believe it you, was released. Trash cans. It, should, it has trash it, cans in it. Yeah, it's trash cans. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's it's incredible. They're releasing their own terrain. Like, how many how many game systems release their own affordable terrain that's in the in boxes that's properly scaled and properly aesthetic like like come on like they're doing almost everything at the proper level the only critique i have right now is the release cycle is a little aggressive but i feel like that is like giddiness from the company of wanting to get all the cool stuff out there it's like a kid at christmas he's like look all the cool stuff we can make because the marvel license allows them to make literally everything ever cool so on that note i i wonder I'm always thinking this when it comes to games, and you already mentioned it with X-Wing and, you know, the releases, and it's like one breaks the other. And, you know, it's with this game, I keep waiting for the model to be released. You know, the one. Yep, the one that's going to fuck all this up. And, you know, it's a bunch of smart guys. We've met all of the guys. Like, we know who's making this game. Uh, personally, most of us, uh, and god damn, they've done a hell of a job, and uh, hopefully they keep it up. I have yet to see a model that's out. I mean, Doctor Strange, I think, is the closest thing to Broken we've seen, but I haven't gotten to play against him yet, so I, re- I, I withhold my judgment until I've actually seen it on the table, but 
like, where's the broken thing? Like, we're almost a year into the game, nothing's broken yet. Like, Sorsha 1 was, like, the most egregious thing ever printed. And she was in the starter! Like, come on! But I'm just trying to think, like, like 40k, for example, in 8th edition. Their 8th attempt at making a rule set, they had to eradicate it within two months because there were so many broken things. Like, they had to stop people from deep striking turn 1. They had to stop people from taking more than three copies of a unit. I guess ITC did that, but still. Like, the people were like, hey, look. Uh, you can take an Eldar Heavy Weapons platform for 15 points. I guess I've broken the game because here's 800 of them. You're like, okay. And I mean, like it was. It, and, and look at it. Their eighth attempt at a game, at the same game, and they couldn't even get it that close. And it's like this game's been out for these, a year, basically. We've had zero erratas that were balancing. Like the only erratas we change are like, oops, all they typo. Like, Each one is very, very different, and, but and, none of them are a blowout. It's it's crazy. Yeah, and 80% of the, the lifespan of this game has existed during a pandemic. <laughs> like, I think I think they deserve a lot of credit in this example. Sponsors? Like, and so, sponsor. yeah, from, from a, a casual perspective, I know we were doing the rating scale, so I would say it's probably a 6 out of 10 on quality of a, a casual game. It's not as good as a casual game because of the depth we've talked about. If you're just going to go to a tournament, which is kind of counterintuitive, looking for casual pickup games. I think you'll have fun as long as you're there for the right reasons. If you're there to win as a casual player, obviously you're not going to have fun probably because you're not putting in the full effort. But I think you're going to have meaningful games. I think you're going to have fun interactions. I don't think you're going to get overly frustrated with the game. Those are all really important things. I put it on the top half of the scale. I'd say probably 6 out of 10 because generally I would expect someone who considers themselves a casual player will either have a limited collection have a limited uh, experience with the game, or have a limited experience in attempting to win the game versus people of their skill level. Now, obviously, the more you play the game, the more experience you're going to get, so that will obviously change. If you play the game 40 times a week, you know, I would ex- I would say you're not a casual player anymore, but you will start winning a lot more games. I think because of the lack of negative play experiences, like, I think the biggest negative play experience is, like, my opponent got to play Age of Ultron, like okay whatever like that kind of happens sometimes but you forgot about venom you forgot about <laughs> yeah. venom no i mean there, there are gonna be bad <laughs> things that happen to you that you you have a hard time controlling but that's literally every game like oh no apples to apples my opponent got the golden apple oh fuck this game like like that's not fair like i think it's at least a six out of ten and it's not higher on the cat i would go a little higher i mean shit they've they actually have created these models that look exactly like they do in the movies i mean on purpose Mm -hmm. they've used quotes and put them on the cards that are just just funny you know like it's so clever and cute that it almost i guess i should i should bring up the fact that i'm very like ruthless when i rate things like if i was rating 40k on the same spectrums right competitive play i'd put it at a three out of ten casual i put it at a four out of ten so, like, I think this game is way better than 40k on both spectrums. I guess agree. I should clarify. I agree. Okay. I agree. As we're War Machine, currently, on a casual spectrum, I'd put it at a 2. And on a competitive <laughs> spectrum, I'd probably put it at a 5. So. And also, like, prostitutes stomping your nuts <laughs> is like a 2 or a 1. I'd probably like, put that yeah. at a three. I'm like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, mm-hmm. 
I'm trying to look at your scale. I can keep rating. Uh, X-Wing, casual scale, two. Uh, X-Wing, competitive scale, one. (laughs) Continuing on to Star Wars Legion. Uh, Competitive scale, two. Uh, Casual scale, three. (laughs) I I just hope they keep on the the top of the uh, competitive scale, really. Again... I I worry about the one model cracking the system. It hasn't happened yet, but as long as they... The most important, the most, or sorry, the biggest worry for me specifically is just what you said. The the one over-the-top thing that got through playtesting that we missed or is just overtuned. We haven't seen it yet, so we don't know how they'll respond to it. That's the only thing that vaguely concerns me about this game right now. And it's only because of the lack of experience of having it, which is a good thing. Well, also, there is something to be said about game design. The, the, like, the Jedi curve exists, right? Um, this, this is not a Star Wars pun. It's actually something that exists outside of it. It's just a reference to the concept that in a game system, you do want to have some things that are that are obviously slightly above average because that encourages uh, a loop, right? So instead of everything, instead of having rock, paper, scissors, you just have rock, rock, rock. Unless you introduce a Jedi, and now you go, okay, well, this this one character is really strong. If if everybody's playing rocks, well, this one character is paper. But then that inc- that allows players to go find scissors, right? They go into the game and they discover uh, how it is that they can uh, create advantageous situations against that one obvious foil, right? The Jedi. So I, I'm actually not scared of a single Jedi in this game. Um, what I'm nervous about the most is like a faction ability that's a Jedi curve. That's what I don't like, because um, then it feels like everybody in the list is automatically really strong. I don't mind if, for example, Doctor Strange. We keep we bring him <laughs> off, off, often as the he seems to be a little bit higher than the curve. If you just like one model for five points, he seems to be. But I I think that's fine if there's one Jedi in the game and he happens to be a wizard. Um, so I, I, it doesn't bother me in the game that that exists because he's one model that doesn't break a faction or automatically win by himself. He's just clearly strong, and it behooves you as a, as a player of the game to consider how you can deal with that model. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why I actually rank this game competitively pretty high. Uh, I would rank it up there like around the eights, uh, maybe nines, because of that um they've done a really good job monitoring the jedi curve and 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 that's that's clearly something the they only care thing about. that comes close in my mind is the uh random objective the thing disappearing like that that that's the closest thing like that's the most unlucky thing are you that... talking about the meteors mission yes <laughs> it's the most unlucky shit that can happen that you just can't come back from if it happens at the wrong time, I I consider yeah, it like the, that's uh, the closest the name thing. Of the alien ship crashes in downtown. The twenty point mission, I think. Yes, it's the twenty point mission. Um, yeah, I can understand that, and but I think that's part of it. Like you, so as as competitive war gamers, we all know introducing chaos into a game is always bad. Correct, unless you have a way to manipulate the chaos. So I think that is what that mission is. If you have a way to affect it, then it's smart to take. If you're just taking it to play a 20-point game, I think you're making a huge mistake because that 
that mission will tend to decide the game more often than you do because whoever picks it up first has a huge advantage. And if someone manages to pick it up with an unkillable character like Thanos, it's like game over, man. Like Captain America picks it up first activation. You're like, well, GG immediately plays like Avengers assemble and backs away. And you're like, well, this game's over. Like, like I, yeah, that's, that's incredibly like negative play experience, but But I I think you're not going to see people take that mission at competitive levels unless they have a way to manipulate it, which means it's no longer chaos. It's now just a smart play. Yeah, and again, it's just a small thing. Like, that's the most I can critique it. And that's pretty small compared to, I mean, again, uh, 40K. Uh, We can probably say a few things about that that are fucked up. But... (laughs) Uh, no, I mean, it's a small thing, and it's just the chaos. I think you nailed it on the head. The chaos in a competitive game is a bitch, whether it be a toughness roll or that. Yeah. or I mean, yeah, it's hard. Chaos is tough. I mean, it's one thing to do, which is basically just, like, learn yeah. a script. You're like, like well, go play chess Like, then. you're playing chess. Just spend 10 years learning scripts. <laughs> All right, well, we've gone over time now because Jeremy wanted to do two topics, I guess. This is 100% Jeremy's fault. Oh, yeah, sorry, Parker's fault because he squeezed in that comic corner. It took 30 I thought it was Cyclops' fault. It is Cyclops' fault because he made you want to do a comic I thought it was Parker's fault. (laughs) He made made me. I I mentioned the title of a single. Never mind, I'm just, I'm going to shut up. Yeah, stop. See, now we're more over. We're now three hours over Because I won't stop talking about comic corner. I understand. Thank you. It's also Cyclops' fault. I'm glad we can all agree. Parker, I'm cutting your pay by one third. Oh, no. That's that's one third times one third. Yeah. So you're making two ninths of your normal pay. <laughs> How shall Appreciate I deal? Appreciate it. All right. Well, thanks, everyone, for joining. This has been Brandon. And Parker. And Jeremy. And thank you for listening to Threat Level Midnight. Bye. We did it, guys. We did a whole podcast by ourselves. We're big boys. Hurrah! All right, do we need to turn it off? What are we doing? No, don't do anything yet. Okay. Yeah, don't do anything. Don't touch. You're going to fuck her. I'm not touching it. All right. Now for the moment of truth. Jeremy, is your audacity recording? Yeah. Parker, is your audacity recording? Yes. Oh, thank God. (laughs) I was so worried. I was so worried that one of you fucked up and turned off your recording. So I forgot to start the backup recording that records all of us at the same time. You jackass! Until, like, let's see, it's at 120, we're at 237. So, yeah, we missed the first hour and a half if you guys weren't recording. Oh, that would have sucked. Thank God. Yeah, mine Mine is at 2. What? Two hours. Should be at two thirty-eight. Mine's at two hours. Mine was at two hours Mine's... thirty-eight minutes. Nope. I don't know. Mine says two zero zero one nine two zero zero two three. I'm assuming two, Jeremy's two, just zero. fucking with us. I don't know. Doing what it says. Hmm. I swear to God, I'm not. Murder death deal. <laughs> I'm gonna one eight seven the shit out of you. I don't know why. I'll just, I'll just edit in Jeremy talking. This is my Jeremy. I don't know. I'm Jeremy. My That's going to be you what for the is. first 30 minutes. I'll just do the waka waka noise the whole time Jeremy yeah. will be talking. Wow. Wobble, wow. Oh, wow. Great. I'm so glad that Jeremy can't press the red button.
No, I did. I haven't touched it since, so I, I don't know what the Can difference is. Can you explain is. the time disparity to me? Um... <laughs> Well, um, uh, well. I, I can use Bill and Ted as an analogy. If you, like, were fucking around in settings and changed the playback speed, I'm gonna fucking kill you. <laughs> I didn't change anything. I bet that's what he did. I didn't change anything. Oh my god. I don't okay. know. Okay, still gonna kill you. <laughs> Alright. Alright, what are we doing here? Hold on, I'm deleting things on our page. What do you guys think? Did we do well? Was it good? The, I, that was a really good. Yeah, I think that was a really good podcast. We had listen. Uh, Singapore it, will tell us. Uh, I was going to yeah. say only only Singapore will, will, will tell us over the international dateline. So whatever date we posted the next day. But I was going to say the. Um, I'm pretty sure according to the international dateline, they've already heard it, right? Yeah, was? they've already listened to it. Ah. They're okay. ti- they're time well, so travelers. I'll just check our listens then, and we'll know if it was good or not. They're time travelers. Um, uh. Oh, guys, we're still at the same listens. That's not good. Oh, they didn't no. like it. <laughs> what a horrible interpretation of that thing. <laughs> just like, just like they live in the future and they know we sucked. Oh God. I kind of wish we had named the podcast Threat Level Midnight. Threat Level Proxima Midnight. God really damn it. How did we... <laughs> you sons of bitches. How did we miss that? Jeremy Absolutely, knows Threat yeah. Level Midnight, right? Michael. Yeah. yeah. Michael Scarn. Michael yep. Scarn, Secret Spy. And Goldface. And uh, what were the other ones? They're I all the fucking stupid. Yeah, it was uh, like, they were like James Bond. Yeah, it was Michael, Michael Scott fucking... from The Office wrote, <laughs> wrote a screenplay for a His movie. Screenplay. So anyway, I can't remember you didn't remember that. But also, I, t- I suggested as the name of the podcast. Because threat levels and Parker's like, but that has anything to do with Marvel. It's like it's threat level, like threat of models, and he like didn't get it. Yeah, that that it's, for some reason, yeah, like directly over my head, right over, yeah, just like fucking cleared him by a mile. <laughs> Needs to get better reflexes. I'm wondering why this is so only says two hours, and yours says two hours and thirty eight minutes. I am willing to bet that you actually changed the the playback speed. Okay, I. I mean, I don't know. Can you adjust? What does that mean? Can you adjust that? I, I mean, is it lost? I don't know. I've never had to do it before. Uh, but if you move any of the little dials on the screen, you can dramatically change what happens when you press. No, buttons. I didn't touch anything. Like nothing's been touched. So it was like that from okay. Go, whatever that is. I'm gonna fucking be so mad. Be so mad. All right. All right, well, I guess we're done for today. We, we should have a good enough pre-ramble from the beginning. But uh, thanks for joining, guys. Jeremy, do you have to get up at 4 a.m. again? You know I do. Awesome. Yeah. All right, well, I'll see you tomorrow for games then. Yeah. Uh, so do we need to save this and give it to you? What are we doing? Uh, yes, so I'm going to stop recording now. Okay. Hit stop now. All right. Nailed it. Between those two, I'll get it synced up. Nailed, Nailed it. it. Okay. God, I'm good at clapping. <laughs> wow. Between between the two weeks, uh, I think we've had just about as many audio complications as we'll have for the rest of the podcast. So, holy shit. Uh, let's all speak for ourselves for a moment here. I just sat here. And... That's true. Parker's had very few audio problems other than sounding like a twat. Yeah. That's a twat issue. Yeah, but that's more of a, more of a vocal cord a issue. issue. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a twat issue. <laughs> I don't understand it, but I know it's out there. 
<laughs> math. <laughs> science. It's, it's science. It's yeah. science. I don't. It's wizards. I don't know. I don't know what they call it. I just know what it sounds like when it lies. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I know that. What is that from? Uh, Tropic Thunder. The sound it makes when it takes (laughs) it's Tropic. That's right. It's Tropic Tropic Thunder. (laughs) And then later in the film, he says, "I don't know what they call it. I just know what sound it makes when it lies." (laughs) (laughs) Oh God! I'm just a white dude playing a black dude playing another black dude in his head movies. (laughs) Yeah, I'm confused. I am confused. Alright, so Jeremy wasn't here last week, so just a quick refresher. Um, I, I did give him an update what we did last week, FYI. Yeah, well, I just meant mainly, um, if it's not established in the commentary, uh, Jeremy goes third when we go in order, I go first, Parker goes second, just so we don't step on each other. Um, I'll try and mix it up, though. Um, Fine. Just so you guys know, we're going to actually do the full intro this time. And oh. so we're going to go through announcements news and i i actually have a lot of announcements today um then we're going to talk about what we're currently playing and what we're currently modeling so parker do we have a comic corner today um if you want one i, I figured we need, had i figured I just we just need to know yes or no uh no i don't have one prepared so okay that's fine that's fine we, uh, we had one last time yeah no that's fine we're good just a second if i my bridge full of beer and liquor Got to top off my Yahtzee shaker. No. You guys know that reference? Mm-mm. It's Jim Gaffigan. It's like it's not as dignified to drink wine out of anything but a wine glass because you always <laughs> feel like the biggest piece of white trash. You're like, <laughs> go into the kitchen and they're pouring more more low for everybody, and you're like, "Hey, can you oh, refill no. my Yahtzee no. shaker?" And they're like, oh, no, "You're not supposed to drink wine out of there." Okay. He's a stand-up comedian. He's the really, really white dude. Oh, I know. He always makes. Yeah. He talks about food and never cusses. Yeah, so I know mm-hmm. who he is. Yeah, that guy. Let's see. I was writing all the announcements we had. Now I skipped one, and it's like halfway written. It just says how to, and then stopped. I can't remember what I was writing. Oh, that's what. Hey Parker, what's your phone number? And your your social security uh, number is again? It's like nine one three something, right? <laughs> I feel like I'm being baited into a trap. The back. No, I mean, of I have it in my card. phone. Go I just don't want to picture. looking it up. I'm just saving some information. Real quick. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> and and then the front. <laughs> Perfect. Thanks. All right. Um, well, do do we have anything for news this week? Any any news? Uh, news for the game? Yeah, we got news. Oh, uh, X Men uh, release. Yeah, we know the X Men release uh, date. Eleven thirteen. We know the X Men leadership abilities are going to be kind of interesting. Uh, that's what spoiled on Storm. Yeah, I guess and... Richard was correct. He said uh, they they originally announced that, that there was going to be uh, the two, there was going to be two leaders for each uh, of the mutant factions. Yeah, and so it sounds like we're going to have there's going to be X Men and then X Men Gold is Storm. Storm is leader of the X Men Gold team. My guess it'll be X Men Blue team is the other one based upon the 
Really? You don't think it'll be like X-Men Silver? I thought they'd do like Silver and Gold Age. No. Uh, the, Is there actually Silver? There's a blue team of X-Men? Yes. That went from Judging from the costumes they chose for the X-Men, they're using uh, one of the uh, updates they did back, I think it was the 90s. And at that time, it was Gold and Blue were the two teams. And Gold Team, okay. gold team was led by Storm. Good to know. Cool. Oh, uh, Parker, we got a compliment. Can you guys still hear me? Okay, I'm a little bit away from my mic. Mm-hmm. Uh, Parker, we got a compliment. Hey, yeah. Uh, our our listener said, "quote Are you sure you meant to leave all that stuff in at the end?" <laughs> <laughs> and then I said, "Yes." I call it the pre ramble. He goes, "Oh, okay, cool." It was really funny to hear you tell Parker he sucks at naming podcasts. <laughs> 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 Jeremy, you listened to that section, didn't you? <laughs> and me, and me painting. That's my that's my single favorite five minutes we put on tape. <laughs> it's, it's me trying desperately to make it, and you just just shooting them down constantly because they're all really bad. <laughs> that was the one time. That was the one time oh. I was really glad I had a mechanical keyboard because you like I'm like, all right, go ahead with your idea, and he's like, all right, and he starts talking. I start typing, and then I just immediately oh stop God. typing. <laughs> it's like. He's like, what if we were called the Silver Age Podcast? I, like, get half to, like, S-I-L delete. <laughs> like, he's like, all right, we're going to start over, and you're not going to be so fucking dumb anymore. <laughs> like, we're going to do that. And so that was basically what we did for 10 minutes. Yeah. Well, the best part is whenever you took a pro- you took a break, like you needed to go like to the bathroom or something, and you came back like five minutes later, and I was like, "All right, I got them all. Here we go." And I like rapid fire four horrible so ideas. Bad. They're so bad. <laughs> like you spent all that time, and that's the best you got. <sighs> but yeah, we've got uh, the shadow organization spoilers. We got uh, the secure threat. The so the, the secure um, crisis in Fisk's box. We know them. And we know a little bit more about the the X Men thing. And Storms, if Storms' team uh, ability is actually what they put on this panel, your it's typing really good. Reminds me of trying to call Comcast, and you're like, "Hey, um, what would you like to speak with someone, to talk to someone you hate, or to complain Sorry, more? To complain more." Um, <laughs> you're like fucking so angry <laughs> I like that I'll recognize that Oh, I, I guess I've been so distracted I didn't think about it. Uh, our topic today, we're going to talk briefly about um, selecting, or I guess the main topic is we're going to talk about how to select things in-game. Like, uh, you've gotten to the table, you like if you have priority, if you don't have priority, we're going to use our list as an example. So if you guys want to pull up the list we built, that might be helpful at some point. I'm going to pull it up. Jeremy's like, I don't give a fuck. Listen, I've been up since 4 a.m., Y'all are getting what you get. I had a shitload of onion rings, and that's it. See, Fuck. specific. Hey. Yeah, I got done playing golf, and I was hungry, so I got a large onion ring at Sonic, and now I'm <laughs> ill. I usually go to, when I just got sides, I go to Colton's. 
because they have family size sides, and you actually get like oh, a yeah. whole like foam container yeah. of like cheese curds for like eight well, bucks. Oh man, yeah, that's a mistake. Was on the way home, and yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, is there any other news, Parker? Um, no, I think that's the main one. I think that's the main stuff. Oh, did you want to? When are we going to slide in or mention uh, our our edit to our list because we got to change it because we found out? Oh, that's correct. Um, we'll do that in the main topic early on. That'll be the first thing we talk about in main topic. That'll be the the subtopic of the day. Uh, so, Jeremy, we can't have both Black Widows in the roster due to a misreading of the rules by me. Although, technically, the rules section I read was exactly correct as to what I said. Brandon, where did you write down our list? Uh, I have it in here. I'll dump it in the chat. No, no, I'm looking at all the stuff you're looking at, I think, but where... It's in the it's in the episode description. Podcast topics? Podcast. No, no, I didn't put it in podcast topics. It's not there. I can dump it here if you prefer. That's okay. I'll put it at the... No, no, where you, where you... I'll put it at the end. Where you put it is fine. I put it at the end. It's at the end in the topics. Okay. And it's also in Discord if you prefer. Mm. Um, but it's in the uh, episode description on our podcast. So anytime someone downloads or accesses the podcast, that the list will be right there. Mm. Flippin' sweet. Okay. Oh, look at that. We what? Look oh, at what? just what you put this up. Is an audio medium park. I'm looking at what you just posted up here with the list. Oh, okay. I'm pretty excited. I've gotten two games in this Jesus. week. Jesus. But uh, God, it's only one man. Jesus know, Christ. Right? <laughs> and they weren't even no fake-ass TTS games. Like, real games in person. Like, legit? Like, you, like, wore a mask and rolled dice yeah. and all that? Yeah, well, I wore a mask for a decent amount of time. You're kind of cutting out, in and out. I played Jason, and I played uh, my roommate, Brian. Uh, yeah, I'm cut. I'm, okay. I'm, not, I'm hearing half of the things you say, Brandon. Good. All right. Okay, well, that's fine, as long as you don't, like, get... Uh, discombobulated by that because I'm recording my own audio so the internet won't affect my audio which is why we're doing what we're doing so (laughs) it's only if you completely lose me and don't know what we're doing and then I'll cut that out later but yeah our internet I don't know what discord is doing but apparently it's uh, called suicide by Skynet so Brandon did you get to play these lists I did not. I could have, but my I opponent was playing uh, fucking game. basically so the Asgardians. Stupid. And so I was like, well, I don't want to play Asgardians and Asgardians. That's lame. I, I don't know what it is. I hate mirror matches in this game. So I attempt to avoid them when all possible. Okay. Yeah. I, I love It's especially bad when it's a character-based game, though. Because, like, I don't know. <laughs> Thor's charging Thor. What's going right, to happen in the Thor v. Thor Thor off? Loki at like, me. oh, God. <laughs> if you throw Loki Al at Thor me, I swear Thor, to God, I'll throw Loki at Thor. you. I swear to God. <laughs> yeah. Although I, I got drop off Thord for the first time. It's happened to me, and I was like, "This is so not okay." It wasn't even. He didn't even play get help. He just nice. he just played drop off with like Miles Morales, and I was like, "Wow, this is still fucking annoying." He doesn't even hit hard. <laughs> like, so I definitely know what people feel like. Although I'll. I'm going to do a brief battle report because a lot of cool things happened in my game against Brian. Uh, so let me put that under announcements. Or no, I'm going to do currently playing section. I'll do that. Rep. Okay. 
We did pretty good holding to our expected time frame last week, Parker, but we still ran a little long, but okay. we were having a lot of fun, so that's good. Mm-hmm. The only the only episode we're way over on is episode one, which is, you know, The Phantom Menace, so you know that's got to be long. <laughs> so many good things to squeeze in. The Phantom I'm Menace. I'm going to adjust my mic. I'm just going to move it over a bit. Oh my god. <laughs> Finally. I don't know what you expected me to say. <laughs> I just kind of put it all together. That was good. That was good. I was so insulted that I didn't even process it for a while. Yeah, I was like, "That's funny. That that movie <laughs> sucked, and it was also the first. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> so I'm still a bunch of sleeves short. I didn't grab enough fucking sleeves the other night. Don't worry. I just got all the new ones in, so we have like two hundred of each. Nice. Perfect. I don't like those things touching air. I would hate that to happen. Stale. <laughs> I like mine crisp. Okay. Uh, I guess a couple things I'll cover with you guys for a second. Um, this is fine to go in the pre-ramble, but I'm not going to put it in the main episode. Oh yeah, I meant to say that because I don't know if these people know how fucked up our podcast logic is because we did War Machine podcast for so long. Um, so let me just plug it in announcements. Uh, what? Oh, because like normal podcasts, I don't think do the pre-ramble thing where you put all the, ra- the like the rambling before the episode starts at the end. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know if they're like actually listening after the end credits. So I'm gonna just after. Don't pull back the curtain. Yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> Good lord! Pay no attention to the podcaster behind the curtain. All those what? Is it Singapore? All those Singapore, Singapore people are like. I'm not friends with Singapore. Easter egg. I'm just saying. Oh, okay. I'm telling you, we need Kazakhstan. Well, this is actually what uh, I want to talk to you guys about. So, then we're in. first off, um, we're clearly getting better because episode zero has 16 plays, episode one has 17 plays. And episode two has 19 plays. Boom. <laughs> oh, shit. Boom roasted, motherfuckers. Did you check it 16 times? Yes. Why? Is that relevant? <laughs> just, I definitely uh, logged oh, in from another account checking. to check it, though. Is that important? <laughs> Every other day? My catalog yeah. of Well, at least th- three times a day, at least. Oh, okay. okay. So uh, our, geographical, our geographic location database analysis says... 80% of our podcast is listened to by America. That's shocking. I know, right? So we have 7% China. for the UK, 5% for Germany, and then Singapore, Australia, and Aus- Austria are all 1%. Oh, finally. Spotify is 34% of our downloads. Uh, I was very excited because we finally broke the 100% male demographic, but then I checked it and it just says 11% unspecified. I'm like, oh, mm. I was excited. We've also got one of those. Oh, well, no. we got a binary. Or a symbiote. Yeah, it's cool. Like, it's cool to one get one of those one of super them. privacy people. Oh, well. I simply refuse. Mm-hmm. Don't assume my electronic gender. Yeah. <laughs> Don't assume I care to input information online. That's true. <laughs> All right. Are you guys ready to get cracking? Let's do it. So it can be clacky. Let's do a podcastity. Oh no! Chugga chugga <laughs> choo choo. God. Oh, uh, we do need to talk about this real quick, Jeremy. 
we have established that we're going to do eight rating cat sub rating categories for characters, <laughs> no. and then three overall main rating categories. So we're going to do a one to oh. ten rating, a letter uh-huh. grade, and then an overall feels decision on it. Mm-hmm. Cool, 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 cool. We're also we're also um, going to judge them based upon color and um, color on the cards, though. Like like sometimes yeah. they have very vibrant blue. Yes, we're using yes, we're yeah. using so... Roy We're using the Electromaniac Spectrum. So apparently my suggestion of rating them by height just got thrown yeah, aside. Yeah, completely ignored. Yeah. <laughs> you height is a bitches. really weird, like, category, I think. There are other categories. But it is completely <laughs> objective. Yes. Let's be fair about it. But that's what, that's, that's yeah, why, no, that's it why it's so sense. weird, though. That, we'll do that. <laughs> I'm just scrolling through our possible podcast names that we were saving when we were making the podcast with me and Parker. And I just see here... Parker's best option was Leviathan Radio. <laughs> I, I can't believe I wrote it down, but that was like the best thing from his entire list. Oh no, one of them was really good. Oh my god! Uh, I actually, yeah, sure. It was. I actually really Bird liked with what teeth. was the name of it. Uh, my favorite one I came up with was. Uh, 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 oh no! It was. It, I, I got to go back and listen to it. It's something you. It's something you called me. <laughs> While you were while you were berating me for horrible names, <laughs> and something you called me, I was like, "That's a good name for a podcast." <laughs> why do Why do I imagine yeah. it exactly yeah. like the Charlie list that he has in his diary? Bird teeth, worm hat, bird with teeth. No, his name is Charles Worm yeah. Hat. Bag of He's spaghetti. A German guy that wears hats. <laughs> but he doesn't know how to spell, so he draws a picture of a worm and a hat. <laughs> That's exactly. how he knows Charles Barmhats. <laughs> oh my god. Yes. I love that show so much. Oh. It's the best show ever made. So good. Okay, I think we're ready to start. You guys good? Yes, dude. <clears throat> we've wormed up. I'm wormed up. Loose. Wormed up. Pretty loose. 